Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night South Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Brian O'Hara. Marler, question. Did you know that Joe Burrow went to Ohio State for three years? Yes. Okay, that's good. I knew that as well. I think everybody who's listening to this podcast knew that. Don't. Colin Cowherd did not know that. We found out. Colin Cowherd having a conversation on his show, The Herd, with Urban Meyer, did not know that this little this this guy, Joe Burrow, uh, did in fact go to Ohio State. Urban Meyer recruited him to go to Ohio State. It was super awkward. If you haven't seen the clip, I have yet, not seen this go, clip. Go look it up. Apparently, this was said last week, but obviously, like the the show itself wasn't going to put that video out there because. Colin Coward looked like an absolute idiot, and somebody cut this this video up, and then it went semi-viral in college football circles. It's almost like, I've said this for such a long time, it's almost like he doesn't even try to to know what he's talking about with college football. Like, if, if this, his, his whole, every time he talks about college football, it's like if you and I were breaking down the NBA, like, it, it is outrageous that somebody gives him a platform to talk about college football. It's a joke. Yeah, but it's weird though, because and not to just hate on Coward, because like we all make mistakes in this business. It's tough to remember everything. But he prides himself on being a college football guy, and it was yeah. the fact that like he had Urban Meyer sitting right there. Well, he prides he's himself like, on knowing about like, Joe he's, he's such a, like an acerbic jerk when he when he talks to you, he talks down to you. Yeah, right, it's, exactly. it's so ridiculous when, when when something like that happens. It's it reminds me of the Kornheiser thing I brought up like you know a while ago about how when McFadden they were talking about on, on like around the horn or PTI whatever that show is PTI and. uh they were talking about who should be the Heisman winner in 2006. And there's a Troy Smith, Brady Quinn, or Darren McFadden. He goes, I don't even know who Darren McFadden is. And it was like, Whoa. how do you, like, why do you have this platform? So, yeah. Jeez. Proud of you, Colin. We've, We've got a lot to get to from a couple of guys who do know that Joe Burrow went to Ohio State for three years and is now yeah. lighting things up at LSU. Uh, we've got some way too early Heisman talk that we're going to get to that involves our guy Joe Burrow. Um, we, of course, are going to talk a, t- a whole lot of Notre Dame, Georgia. We're going to preview a really, really good week four. Just a loaded week four. I'm so excited for this slate of games. Just an awesome, awesome slate. We've got an interview with our good buddy, our BFF, Chris Doring. Talked a little bit about Kyle Trask, a little bit about Florida, Tennessee, all the things that, um, all things gritty as well. We talked, of course, right. with, with Doring. But before we do all of that, Marler, you're going to tell us about Texas Pete at the top. That's right. Coming off the top rope here, guys. Uh, as you all know, this is the Saturday Down South podcast brought to you by Texas Pete. Each and every week, I tell you about my favorite things, and each and every week, I get sadder and sadder as I recover from surgery and all the things that I still can't do with Texas Pete. Like, I, I mean, listen, I, I can stay in the Pete, and I want to stay in the kitchen, but physically, I'm not allowed to right now. So, we ask you guys to make sure you go check out TexasPete.com, slash tailgating, check out all the best recipes you can imagine. Um, I saw a sneak preview of some of the... Uh, some of the commercials we shot down in Orlando Ooh, about a month nice. ago. They look good. I'm excited. Um, I look good. I'm pretty pumped about that. That was, you know, that was, that was very, I was very nervous. So I'm, I'm excited though. We had some, we had a great time down there with our friends at Texas Pete. You guys know I love them. Uh, I cannot wait. Like this is, this feels like to me, like when someone's like, Man, I can't wait to get back out there with my teammates. I can't wait to get back out there with my Pete mates. Okay. With my taste buds. Um, and I, I really can't wait. So make sure you guys are sending us, in the meantime, all of your favorite tailgating pictures, all your favorite recipes, uh, with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. So I'd appreciate it because, uh, yeah, it's going to make my mouth water, all that good stuff. But it also helped me get through this difficult time known as recovery. So 
Sauce like you mean it. Use the hashtag. Send us some pics. We'll talk to you then. Pete picks. I texted Pete an hour ago. You jealous? I hate you so much. Sorry. I like. Not I mean, it's just like the the blandest food without it. I just oh, it brightens up my day. It's like a Christmas tree without lights. That's food without Texas Pete. Life needs hot sauce. Yeah, really it does. does. Fire takes going around about the Heisman Trophy already. God. The odds are updating by the week. We're not going to talk about this every single podcast because it's it's overdone in this day and age. It's not decided in, in September. We all love to talk about the September Heismans, the yeah. October Heismans. It's a fun conversation standpoint, but to pretend like we have this thing figured out and to say like, oh, this person can lock up the Heisman with a big performance in September is like, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen. You, you you make a case that's really good for it, but the, the odds I find really, really interesting, and I like keeping track of these odds moving forward because I think some of them, they end up being just like, whoa. Like you take a step back and you're like, this person, you could get really, really good good odds on your money at this at this whatever you know they, they are this early in the season. Right. There are a few guys that are like that. If you haven't seen the odds yet, here's where they currently stand. Tua is a 2-1. to one, Jalen Hurts, 3-1. to one, Joe Burrow, 4-1. Oh, to well. one. Trevor Lawrence, fifteen to two, which is basically four to one. Uh, Justin Fields, what? ten to one. Seven and a half yeah. to one. Yeah, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> Math, not my strong suit. Uh, Jake Fromm, fourteen to one. Justin Erbear, eighteen to one. Amen. Sam Sam Ellinger, eighteen to one. Jonathan Taylor, twenty to one. DeAndre Swift, thirty three to one. As is Jerry Judy. As is Travis Etienne. Ian Book is fifty to one. And Shea Patterson somehow is still sixty six to one. That's so stupid. Don't put your money on Shea Patterson. You can just throw that out there right now. Okay. It's week It's week four. There have been three games played. And we said in the preseason that betting on a preseason Heisman favorite, you're a sucker if you do it. Yeah. You really are. Trevor Lawrence falling below Joe Burrow after three weeks is proof that you are a sucker if you bet, if you bet on the preseason Heisman. I, I just can't believe like that that so many people are, are willing to do it early on where it gets action. Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy that he may not be the best quarterback of all time after that first season? Well, I mean... I, don't, I just feel like maybe, just maybe, we as a, as a group of people may have overreacted and may have been a prisoner of the moment with Trevor Lawrence. I could be wrong. In our defense... When have we ever seen a quarterback put up 45 points against yeah. Nick Saban defense? Oh, actually, we have because Swag Kelly did that like twice. Well, he? first off, okay, that's not true. <laughs> um, <laughs> he did not put up 45 points the second time. Anyway, uh, no, like I just, I think it's, I think I just think it's funny because like that seemed. Well, and to be fair, out of all the people listed here, he plays the weakest schedule, so it makes it like statistically, it didn't not make sense to put him up there. True. True. Okay. I mean, if you can't, if you can't put up if you can't put up electric like ridiculous numbers and and just video game numbers against that schedule, oof, oof. imagine imagine if I had come out with the pre like a like you know I I write pretty much daily columns in yeah. the off season. Imagine if I had wrote the column with the headline <laughs> why Joe Burrow will have better Heisman odds after week three than Trevor Lawrence. I would have gotten ratioed so hard uh, yeah. on that take. I, yeah, I agree. Like if you, I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> imagine if I would have said Trevor Lawrence will throw more interceptions in his first three games than he did all of last season. Ooh, that would have been crazy too. too. But no, but you're right. The, the Joe Burrow thing is just they were at two hundred to one. I didn't even know he had odds. I, I mean, two hundred to one—that's crazy. And then now, now it's down to it's down to four to one. He has better odds than Trevor Lawrence. That's that's nuts. 
Go figure. Who do you like of this list in terms of best bets? We're talking long-term with this. We're not just talking about somebody who's gotten off to a good start. We're talking projections here. We're saying, I'm going to, you know, Heisman, betting on Heisman, I think, is, is dart-throwing. Yeah. It really is because of how narrative-driven it is. We wait until the last week. We wait until the conference championship yeah. week when Kyler Murray goes off and Tua doesn't look good to decide the award. That's neither here nor there. Right. But... If you're trying to project right now, what what bet are you looking at thinking that's a guy that I'd be willing to kind of take a little bit of a roll of the dice on? Okay, so here's the deal. If, if you're looking at a value standpoint, 10 to 1 and more is your best value, hands down. Justin right? Fields at 10 to 1. So Justin 10 Fields, I love, I love that at Justin Fields. Because yep. this is a guy, and, like, and now again, this is not me being a butthurt Bama fan, as one uh, person called me this past weekend in Columbia, South Carolina, which we will address later. Um, but Tua... You look what he did against LSU last year. He had over 300 yards passing. They won 29 nothing. He had that long gallop run because his ankle was all, or knee was all messed up. He still, he had a bad game against Mississippi State. And then he came back out and had five touchdowns against Auburn. He still found a way to lose it, right? Like, that's that's that, as, as shocking as it was. Joe Burrow, I like, the 4-1 to is not, it's not great value. That's not great value. It's not, but he's also going to be a situation where, like, we know what we have with Tua. People, people are just the way people are nowadays. It's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, what have you done for me lately? I've already seen this has impressed me as much. If Joe Burrow can beat Bama at Bama, if Joe Burrow can beat A&M after that, that would say a lot for Joe Burrow's chances. Justin Fields also gets uh, – do they get Penn State in, in November? Or Michigan yes. State? It's Michigan State. I think they get both of them in November. Okay, they? so they, they get Michigan. I know the last game of the season, obviously, and that's at the big house. So that could do a lot for his, his chances. From, bye. He's out. He's already out. Uh, like yeah, I don't think Fromm's going to be able to put up the numbers. No, he's not. he's not. He's not at all. In, in the with, plus, go ahead. I was going to say with Burrow at 4-1, to because I was curious as to why that probably came up so high early on. And I think Vegas is trying to get out ahead of it a little bit so that yeah. people aren't putting in that. Like, if he's at 12-1, to 14-1 to before the Bama game, he's got a very favorable schedule coming yeah. up here to be able to kind of rack up those numbers. And then if you are if you're if you have a bunch of people who are getting in on 14-1 to on Joe Burrow before that Bama game, and then let's say he does beat Bama. I'm not yeah. saying that's going to happen. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap. From an odds maker standpoint, you're like, it's, it's kind of too late at that point. Right. And so I think that's why they try to get out ahead of smart it, move. knowing that, yeah, it, it's smart on their part. But at 4-1, to one, I wouldn't be crazy yeah. about that. Um, Swift, so I, a lot of people were high on Swift earlier. I was high on him last year, especially. He's at 33-1. I don't see that being, I don't see him winning the Heisman because Georgia has so many backs. And you just ask any of their fans. They have so many backs. There's no chance he's going to win. The answer so here is, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, so on Swift, I actually just, like, I just uh, saved this column, just filed this column. Uh, that'll run, seamless plug, it'll run on Friday on SES. But I actually think this weekend Swift has a chance to like really insert himself into the the the, yeah. the Heisman conversation to like the top five, you know, type candidate because I've lo- I've kind of broken down I broke down in there to the volume because that's the big issue with him. They have so many backs in that backfield. Yeah. Volume early on has not been there. Right. He's only got I think he's got thirty four total touches through three games. And the least amount of of carries that a back has had and won the Heisman in the last 40 years was Mark Ingram with 271. Wow. And he had that in, two, in 2009. And if DeAndre Swift averaged 20 carries a game, that's exactly what he would end up with. Now, here's the issue. DeAndre Swift has never had more than 17 carries in a game. Right. So him averaging 20 the rest of the way would be really difficult. But if Georgia just decides, you know what? We're going to – we, gotta we understand here. that – we got a stallion. We understand that he's gone, 
And like we we think that we're we're just going to be able to rely on him as much as possible. It's not crazy to think about. He would have to average essentially 150 yards from scrimmage the rest of the way. Easy. Travion Travion Williams last year averaged 157 with a worse offensive line and without oh. a team that was playing for playoff contention. That's the other big thing. Well, you saw He's how they rode him last year too. They didn't, they didn't exactly. ride him yeah. from a touches standpoint, but his numbers went up ridiculous amounts after that LSU game when he was a little bit injured and he finally got healthy. When he's healthy, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I will say is this: so um, first off, if DeAndre Swift's going to be in the Heisman talk. That means an SEC running back could be in the Heisman. What white running back from Stanford is he going to be? Because first and foremost, you know, one can't be without the other. Um, Jonathan Toby Taylor. Gearhart. Jonathan Taylor is the answer here. <laughs> you tell about value. I love Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is the best. Uh, um, I just that was a little JTT there from uh, Home Improvement. I, I just Jonathan Taylor. He's put up two thousand yards from scrimmage the past two seasons, right? Mm-hmm. That's so stupid. That's so stupid that and no one talks about it. And well, he's, he was ahead. just short of that his freshman year, I think. But he, yeah. he averaged essentially two thousand. Either, either way, should... either way, I, 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 like from a value standpoint, that's clearly the best value. The fact that he, like, what he's done the first two games of the season, I understand the competition's not great. He did go on the road against South Florida, and it's kind of a national televised game. Um, I, I, what from a value standpoint, twenty to one. And what he's going to be able to do, he would he would get a game in the S, or the Big Ten championship against Ohio State against a pretty good defense. I, I it's hard to go away from that. If, they, if they're playing for a a berth in the playoff, I think I think you would have to throw him in there. If you are going to be a running back and win the Heisman in twenty nineteen, you need three things to happen for you. You need one. You need Fair those viral. <laughs> you, you need those viral runs. Yeah, those runs that just sort of break the internet. Leonard Fournette had that in the first part of twenty fifteen. Derrick Henry had that yeah. in the latter part of, of 2015. You need a team that is going to be in playoff contention down the stretch, a team that people are talking about potentially as a national championship team, even through conference championship weekend, which not crazy necessarily for Wisconsin. And then I think going into bowl season, well, through conference championship weekend, you need to be at least flirting with 2,000 yards from scrimmage. For Jonathan Taylor so and DeAndre ridiculous. Swift... That's I think those three things are all on the table. Like I, I understand with Swift the volume issue is, is is obvious, but he's been so efficient with his work so far. Nine point four yards yeah. a carry. I mean the guy is just ridiculous. And Jonathan Taylor is being used so much more in the passing game now that it's 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 a little bit of a different story than what we've seen the first two years from right. him and the way that he's been utilized. And if he can hold on to the football, avoid those fumbling issues, that's huge for him as well. well but there are some interesting bets there. Yeah, Very and, and you know uh, one I will say, and I'm not just trying to say this is like a homer. One, Travis Etienne, is because listen, whether you like it or not, the Clemson thing isn't going away. I'm surprised T. Higgins doesn't have better odds here because T. Higgins is a monster so far this year. Um, from like, especially from like those like eight like posterizing catches. But Travis Etienne, whether you like it or not, the number one team in the country is gonna have somebody in the Heisman race. And if Trevor oh, yeah. Lawrence, I don't expect him to continue to play this mediocre throughout the rest of the season. But Travis Etienne, he did it all last year and didn't get loved. Like, he had over 1,600 yards rushing last year. And I understand about the offensive line, the competition. He's going to continue to put up really big, big numbers. And he's going to have these massive ga- It's like It seems like like once a week he breaks a, a touchdown for over 50 yards. So I, I think him in there is pretty good value. And one, it's not going to happen, I wouldn't think, because it's, it's Bama. But Jerry Judy, is the more I watch... The more I watch, and, and the stuff that we heard from Matt Miller saying this in the offseason, the more I watch him, the more I think he might be the best player in the NFL draft next year. The stuff he's able to do on a field it is just, it's, it's incredible to watch. It's incredible to watch. 
I would just hate to be a defensive back just trying to tackle him. Not not even cover him. The covering part, yeah, that's going to suck, whatever. Bama's got a few guys Dude. like that that are tough to cover. But just just having to tackle Jerry Judy would just – you're, you're going to go viral. You're going to look yeah. really, really stupid. Same thing with DeAndre Dude, Swift, too. Those guys day, that can just put their foot in the ground, I uh, – no, Once a day, we let Queso run up and down the hall when there's nobody out in the hallway for his little zoomies, and, and he just goes back and forth as fast as he can. And especially now that I'm still recovering from surgery and can't really bend over – it is a nightmare. I'm so glad no one can see me try to catch my own dog. But that's exactly what it looks like <laughs> when people are trying to tackle Jerry Judy in the open field. Uh, that could be what it looks like this weekend with Notre Dame trying to track down DeAndre Swift. Oh, my goodness. So let's talk about the huge headliner game in Athens this weekend. Per U- UGA's own research, this is apparently the first non-conference home game at Georgia involving top 10 teams since 1966. We were not born just yet. How is that possible? Um, How is that yeah, possible? That's non-conference. Non-conference is the big caveat there. Hey, I mean, yeah, okay. Shout out Georgia Tech. Yeah. Y'all have not pulled your weight in that department. That's No, um, Georgia has it with their scheduling, but go on. <laughs> that too. Uh Maybe the biggest game of the year uh, for the selection committee, potentially, when you talk about all the potential common opponents that a team like Notre Dame would have, you can bet that the college football world need. Well, in one hand, they don't want Georgia to win because the idea of a second SEC team getting into the playoff, potentially, you know, going uh, 12 and 0 into a conference championship, and Bama and Georgia are both undefeated, something like that would not bode well for the rest of the Power Five. But at the same time, Notre Dame is a team that. People don't want to see in the playoff. We saw how that impacted Power 5 conferences last year and how big of a, you know, if Notre Dame has that big marquee win, that's that's really, really tough for the rest of the Power 5. So it could be the toughest game for the selection committee and biggest game overall in terms of implications. Well, they still have, uh, you might have already said this, I'm sorry, because I, I got distracted, but they, they, they still have some of the best percentage chances to get to the playoff. Is that FPI? Yeah. <laughs> so, I love FPI. I don't what even know what FPI stat. means. It's so weird. It's but, like QBR. They're made up stats yeah, that they just throw out there at us. And they're just like, yeah, we just had people sit down and come up with some numbers that look fancy. Right. I think it's because they get they get the most chances. Like they get to play Virginia next week at home. Uh, they get USC at home. And it's like a national name. And unless you play them in the opening part of the season, uh, like Alabama did, you they don't you don't get credit for them being a very good program. True. Very um, true. Michigan on the road. I, I don't know. Maybe the most chances. I don't see how Notre Dame. Notre Dame is going to get. I, I Listen, I just tweeted this out, and I mean it wholeheartedly. And I, I know we're going to get to picks here in a, in a minute. But Vegas, am I, can't, am I missing something? This is only 14 points. Like I, I said this on, on Sunday. This could go up to t- like 20 points, three touchdowns. I would still take Georgia. Vegas and, and everyone outside of the Southeast is blinded by these these shiny, bright gold helmets and these old ass, dusty national championship they're, they're rings. Beautiful helmets, that they have it. Yeah, they beautiful. are beautiful helmets. They are terrible in those white jerseys, though. <laughs> but they're just people are blinded by these these shiny, bright helmets and these old ass championship rings that they have. They're bringing to Athens, Georgia. They're going to get ran out the building. They are going to get flat out embarrassed on national television. And at some point, I honestly wonder if if. If well, it's not Vern and Gary, but Brad and Gary are gonna be like, you know what? Let's just show an old episode of, of Jag or NCIS Saturday night on CBS because this is not worth it. No, because Zamir White's gonna be in late, and we're yeah. gonna get to see him run for eighty yards too. I can't wait I to see I can't that. Wait that. Um, I, I, you know, Peter Burns said that this isn't even a top two game in the SEC this week because well. he thinks it's gonna be that lopsided. Um, it is. It is amazing, though, thinking about some of the the storylines with this game yeah. and how two years ago this was Jake Fromm's first career start, 
and we did not necessarily know what was in store as much as people knew about you know QB1 and they, they had heard great things about him coming in. I remember doing a story and talking to his high school coach right before uh, right before this start and just like everything he had to say about Fromm was like, all right, this guy's like too perfect. You yeah. know, when you, you do those stories and you're like, all right, just tell me he's like something bad about this kid, like something to just humanize him. And then he most used to of get the things cut, that we've cut seen, in class because he was over there at the Salvation Army trying to give away free clothes to the homeless. <laughs> what? Big, biggest flaws. I care too much. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's essentially what Jake Fromm has been for the last two years, though, and there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff that has really made us think anything other than that. Yeah. And it, you know, and even on the field too. And since that that start two years ago, I mean, we're talking about somebody who has played in five combined SEC championships slash New Year's Six bowls. He's 26-5 and five as a starter. He's 14-0 and 0 at home. He's 8-0 versus Power 5 teams at home. He's won those games by an average of 24 points. Just for comparison's sake, and I'm not saying he's the same quarterback, the same player. I don't want you to get mad at this. But just to show you how amazing that stat is, Tua's average margin of victory at home against Power 5 teams is 26.5 points. So that's how, how it's dominant, Rams? lopsided, 24. No. So it's so very, very close in terms of... No, not as good, but it, we we think about how much Tua gets after teams doesn't have to play in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like Fromm, and I know he's had help from the running game as well. Fromm has been so, so good, so lights out at home. I mean, I just go back to that game. His first It was his first SEC start at Sanford Stadium two years ago where they run that flea flicker against Mississippi State on the first play from scrimmage, and he throws that touchdown pass. You're like, oh, this that is for best. real. This is for real. And the Georgia dogs are barking first. <laughs> No, I mean, like, here's the thing. I've said this. I've said this. That was the best call. I've said this before, and 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 I'll, I'll say it again. And I, I hate Notre Dame with such a passion. As somebody that's not only an SEC fan but is also kicked out of Catholic school growing up, I hate Notre Dame with. You love saying that so much. I, I just, I just, it's just, it's just <laughs> an eternal revenge. Now we talk about this, and and you brought this up about how well you know they play a tough schedule. Here, here's Notre Dame's schedule as of last year. You ready for this? They went at Wake Forest. Tough. Nobody just walks into Winston-Salem and doesn't come out with, I don't know, a 30-point win and, and, I guess, a smoker's cough. Um, at Virginia Tech, we thought that was going to be a big one because Virginia Tech was ranked at the time. Uh, ended up being a dumpster fire. They were um, – they won. Wait, the, are you just hand-plucking Notre Dame games for the past two years? No, I'm looking at right the, the games they played on the road last season. Oh, last season. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Navy. Remember where they played that? Road they game. They played San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. Uh, they went to at Northwestern with the tall grass and the and the not. I mean, it's not even a full bowl around the bottom of that that whole stadium, yeah, right? Terrible. And then they went at USC, a team that was in shambles, didn't make it to a bowl game, couldn't cover a ten point spread that I said was like the lock of the year, and they didn't. So those are your those. And they also played Syracuse at Yankee Stadium. Now let me explain to you what's going to happen on Saturday night. You're not going to Yankee Stadium. You're not going to San Diego. You're not going to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. You are going to hop on that plane and take your happy ass down to Athens, Georgia, in front of 200,000 screaming drunk people outside the stadium, and then 92,000 screaming drunk people inside the stadium in a sea of black that's going to be the same color as your hopes and dreams after this game as making the playoffs. I'm fired up, man. Go dogs. Go dogs. I can't. God. I'm sure I still have some Georgia... Paraphernalia, that's not the right word. Or apparel. <laughs> I'm, I'm fired up. <laughs> I'm surprised exposed. you haven't thrown up that, that profile pic of you riding that sculpture of Ugga or whatever that is. I'll throw that out there. I'll throw out the other one too of me in the all in the Georgia helmet and all that kind of stuff when I was little. 
Um, Ooh, that way you can trick people for a week into thinking that you're a diehard Georgia Yeah, that'd be good. That's good. That'd be good. That's yeah, really and good. nobody wants to see that Najee Harris, Megan Rapino side by side anyway. I've got up right now. <laughs> uh, that great stat that uh, our new friend, Chris Bear Felipe, right. threw out had that stat on Notre Dame. So Notre Dame, this is going to surprise nobody, you, especially not you. Notre Dame is 1-17 against top five teams in the 21st century, and they are 0-4 with Brian Kelly with three of those losses by 14-plus points. Yikes! <laughs> that could get worked. And we'll throw out this stat later. Um, Notre Dame, number 121, defending the run right now. Um, Think about Georgia. that. Think, th- say it again, Connor. 121 against the run. 100, and they give up 230, 230 yards per game on the ground. And they're going to go. In, they're going to go to Athens, Georgia, and win this game. Get the blank. In Notre out Dame's here. defense, New Mexico, pretty good. Louisville, pretty good. Louisville, pretty good teams. Yeah, pretty. I mean, just just loaded teams that look yeah. exactly like Georgia. Yeah, okay, okay. Feel I thought, I thought you were line. Line. And when you said no, in Notre Dame's no. defense, that was a, that was the best joke because <laughs> they don't play defense, obviously. Oh, there. I see what you did there. Yeah. Um, Paul Feinbaum said that there is no path for Notre Dame to beat. Georgia. There's not. I, There's not. The only thing that like crept into my mind at the beginning of this week, and it's not going to prevent me from picking Georgia to cover the spread. Spoiler alert. The only thing that I real that I like I want to see that I have questions about. If there are situations where let's say there's pre-snap penalties, yeah. wherever, you know, third and seven, big spots, one score game. It's not Jake Fromm that I have questions about making throws in that spot. We know that he's ready for that. It's how are these receivers going to get separation in those moments when, you know, sometimes the play breaks down. Yeah. Sometimes there's a blitz coming and Fromm needs to be able to trust you to know that, you know, you, you need to be able to adjust your route and peel it off, cut it off early. Those little tiny things can make a big difference in a game. I want to see that from Georgia. That that will be the thing that I'm looking for closely in terms of how they project the rest of the year. That, I think, is going to determine their upside more than whether or not they're going to be able to win this game and cover the spread. I'd say, I'd say to me, the only way, this would be just so Notre Dame, the only way that they could cover the spread is if Georgia's up by a lot in the second half and they start putting in the reserves and try to get them a cool experience, like, I got to play in this game Sanford Stadium at night against Notre Dame, top 10 matchup, and something happens like a blocked punt or something happens like, I don't know, a pick six, but it's in garbage time. I That would be so peak Notre Dame, and you talk about like the Golic father and son combo, just be like, we, we went down to Athens and we kept it close. We only lost by, by 10 points. It's like, yeah, okay, because you had a, a pick six with as like time ran out like or something stupid like that. That's the only time, that's the only way this game's going to be close. I, I, I can't disagree with you at that, at this point. Before we do some picks, tell us about our friends over at MyBookie. Guess who's back? <laughs> back again. You know, this is this is great. And I, and I want to I want to give a shout out to our boss for for giving us this this week, uh, Kevin Duffy, because you all know that one of my vices has been taken away from me with Texas Pete. And there's mm-hmm. just no better way to get over that emotional loss uh, than by having another one of my vices be brought front and center. And that is gambling with our good friends at my bookie. Now, listen, we told you this last week. Uh, it's just like, we told you this last year. We, we were, I was a big fan of them, and I'm glad we have them back. And so, listen, here's the deal. At the end of a hard week, it's great to sit down, take some time off, watch some football. You have game-winning touchdowns on two-minute drives, running backs racing down the sidelines with no one to stop them. There's nothing else 
quite like college football. And there's no better way to make games even more exciting than by gambling on them, okay? I don't care how that sounds. That's a true... You know what? Put that... When I die, put that on my headstone. Because that's right. That's that's very accurate. So do the smart thing. Go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. MyBookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. Don't forget... Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where I play. It's where you should too. And guys, I'm not, I'm not just saying this. When they say it's got the best odds, that you can bet on the first quarter. You can bet on the first half, which we know at, from last week, your boy loves to do. And we killed yeah. it. Okay, And, and, and Uncle, Uncle Chris and his nephew Connor, no offense, Connor, we've, we've, been, we've been hot on the gambling trail here lately. Um, I, I love my bookie. You can, you can buy points up to three points per game. It's something I, I'd love to do, especially, you know, with some of these games are very close because Vegas is good. Have somebody on your side and that is my bookie. So there you go. Use the promo code SDS to activate the offer. Um, and they will, they will double, or I'm sorry, they will match what your, uh, your opening deposit is. So there you go. On that no, they will double it. I'm wrong. Oh, double. Matt, this double your first deposit. So, Did you do math there? I, I, honestly, in my head, I was trying to think, like, how much? We just bought a house, so how much am I allowed to be putting in Escrow. here? Escrow. Yeah, that's, that's the row I was going to ask about next. But, yo, make sure you guys uh, head over to mybookie.ag uh, today. Let's do some week four picks. We've got some over-unders as well. Let's start off with a game that has the most lopsided spread of any SEC game. Southern Miss, who seemingly faces an SEC team every single week. Yeah. They are traveling to Tuscaloosa. Alabama is a 39-point favorite. What do you got? I, I'm going to take Southern Miss to cover the spread here. Uh, I don't like this 11 a.m. kick after Bama almost got beat by South Carolina a week ago in Columbia. If you ask any of their fans, that game was very close the entire not time. Not any of their fans. Come on. No, just not some, any of their fans. Um, but, yeah, but some. But, no, I, I'm going to take – I'm going to take uh, – Bama to not cover the spread here because Southern Miss is only an 18 point favorite against um, Mississippi State. Against Mississippi State, and then so they, I mean, like I don't know. I'm I'm gonna take Bama not to cover this. It's a it's a get back game. Last week was a big week. You want to get some of the starters out early because a lot of them played a lot a lot last week. So remember how when we did guess the line, I said that this was gonna be like 36. I think was my was what I had for for Bama, and you said no, it'll be like 31 or yeah, something. Was I want to say. Um, I, I, I thought it was going to be higher just because of the tone and what what Bama is going to try and establish here. I agree. Everybody knows about the everybody knows about the run game issues, and everybody knows that Bama really, really wants to feel good about its ground game going into the meat of conference yep. play. Th- this is their chance to do that, and I think that in a game where Southern Miss is, I think one hundred one against the run, yep. they're not good defending the run. This is going to be a Big, big ground game. It's going to be a game where Tua is going to have, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Tua had single-digit pass attempts in this game. I think they really get after it early, and they really want to show that offensive line Wait, has a lot to prove in this one. Single-digit pass attempts? Single-digit pass attempts in this one. Wouldn't surprise me. I would, surprise I would bet me. almost anything against that. But what I will say is this. This is a great game for Bama, and because of what you just said, I do think they're going to try to establish the run. I don't think they're ranked 101 in rush defense. I would. I thought they were. I would hope Did not, because Bama's wrong? giving up over 10 yards more per game than than south uh, than southern misses um this is always one of my favorite I games too right? uh, their bamas give up 114 per game they're giving up 103 uh but also side note this is one of my my all-time favorite games because this is the very first bama game i ever went to is this game in 1990 brett Favre. brett Favre. yeah brett Favre beat bama Ooh. like three months after having like 
he didn't have any problems after stomach surgery. He was fine. <laughs> so, um, but no, this and it's also the same game that Prothor made that awesome catch. This is a fun Southern Miss playing SEC. I, I, I always like that. But also, they, they averaged 347 yards per game passing, which Bama secondary needs to figure it out a little bit after after last week of watching Ryan Trill Sinky throw all over him. So there you go. He's got so many nicknames already. I love That's it. The best. Uh, Pilsinki, the the new beer for, yeah. for the eighteen year old kid. <laughs> That's right. Love it. Uh, over under fourteen and a half. Najee Harris carries. I'm gonna say under, but I think it's that's a very good. That's a very good because I feel like they're gonna try to get Brian Robinson involved too. Yep. Um And like I said before, this is the offense now. Like this, this is the offense. Like I've been throwing the ball more. I'll say under, but that's a that's a good line, Connor. It's it's got to be right. Right around there. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have a season high in carries. The the question is, okay. is is he able to get to that number? He would have a big smile on his face if he did. That's for sure. Yeah. LSU is a twenty three and a half point favorite going to Nash Vegas to take on the Fighting Derek Masons of Vanderbilt. Do we think LSU is going to cover a twenty three and a half point spread for an eleven a.m. kick in Nashville? That's a, I don't. I know their fans won't. That, watching their <laughs> their fans their fans. Their fans <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Their fans, I, I see. The real question is, how many drinks are they going to be able to get in before an 11 a.m. kick? That is that's, that's a that question. is a uh, you just. I mean, you're not going to sleep. That's just bottom. Yeah, line. you just stay up all night yeah. at that point. Um. So uh, yeah, I, I would say over under over under. You know what? 11 and a half over under 11 and a half drinks. Can you get in before an 11 a.m. kick? But you keep in mind they also are serving wine. Ooh, wait. So, so the count in stadium drinks count as well as outside. No, 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 no. They, this outside the stadium is what I'm mainly counting. But I'm saying, like, okay. they might they might not have to drink as much beforehand to have a personality before they get in there. But also, you I'm don't want to miss out on this offense. Yeah, you want to see it. You want to see, you want to be able to make it into the stadium, and you at least got to just survive the first half. I think yeah. if you're an LSU fan, uh, with all due respect to Vandy, who you know, let's let's be honest, has had it just a, a tough time with this schedule to start off the year. This the worst, the most difficult three game stretch to start off a season Vandy had of anybody in the country. Yeah. I think with considering the fact that they had to go, uh, they obviously had to host Georgia. They had to go to Purdue and defend, try and defend Rondell Moore, which proved to be a tall task. LSU should be able to score some points, but. Would it surprise me if this start is just a little bit, just a little yeah. bit sleepy, a little bit, and it prevents, you know, maybe LSU wins by like 21 or something like that, but it takes a little bit for the Tigers to get going, and Vandy coming off of a bye week has a little bit more time to prep and prepare for this new look offense. I can see Vandy covering. I, I'm going to still take LSU just because of the fact that Purdue put up 509 yards passing against this defense. I yep. can't imagine what LSU is going to be able to do against them. All right, we've already hit the over on this i think so far today in this podcast but the words joe burrow and heisman are together Ooh. in the same sentence on the broadcast i set the over under at 3.5 over 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 hey, people man listen people i said this last week people want to cheer against the status quo and lsu people also really want to cheer for lsu and this kid mm-hmm. especially because he's he's like how do you not like joe burrow like how would you not like joe burrow Facing him, yeah. Well, that is also fair. That is also Texas fair. Um, but I, I would say, yeah, like I, I would agree. That I, I think I don't think it's going to be like you know the the liberal media from ESPN trying to push an agenda. But I'll say I think they are trying to. Oh. They are going to be like it's with good reason. He he is he should be the Heisman talk. Texas, I mean, they they pretty they broadcast on college game. They shoot a cannon through his jersey, man. I mean, I don't know if they're pushing Joe. Burrow I loved his response. Yet, that but... he's like, I wasn't. That didn't make me mad. It was just weird. 
Yeah, it is weird. (laughs) Weird flex, bro. Uh, Tennessee and Florida, third Saturday in September. Whoa. Whoa. Stop. Sorry. (laughs) Went there. Um, Florida, as I – I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back back here. I guess the 14-point spread. Florida is a 14-point favorite in this one. Um, So I – I have talked myself into somehow Tennessee covering, obviously not winning this game, but I talked myself into them covering for a few reasons. I think nobody in the world is expecting Tennessee to hang around for a second. Part of that is due to last year. Part of that, the, the matchup last year where Tennessee just got smoked early yeah. on and just could not do could not do anything to get the offense going. Jared Garantano was out in the second half in this game, but had all those turnovers as well. But I think obviously what we've seen so far this part of the year suggests that there is nothing about Tennessee that scares you. There's just none. No. And but the one thing that I keep coming back to is maybe just maybe Tennessee is able to kind of have one of these like moral victory us against the world type games where this is kind of the first time they've been in that spot this year and maybe it's kind of just what they need to get going a little bit and I think that maybe just maybe they could only lose this game by like 12 points. Tell me I'm crazy. You're not crazy. I mean, for the fact the same thing Chris Doring said either before or after. You'll, you'll hear this. Yeah, okay. You'll hear this later. Um, I mean, he, he brought a really good point on that. I, I, will, I will say this. I saw how poorly conditioned these athletes were at Tennessee and how, how bad they were at fighting tooth and nail to stay in a game and caring to stay in a game against Georgia State. I, just flat out. Just flat out didn't want it. And you got to go down to Florida – for a noon kick, and it's going to be a thousand degrees in front of an angry fan base that is like excited to prove. Like, I mean, like, listen. I, if there's one thing I'll say about Florida fans, especially this off season, no group has wanted to rally around this team more than their their team more than Florida fans. I mean, they will defend this team to the death. I hope not, but like you know, you never know nowadays. But I, I will say, Florida, I think is going to come out wanting to prove something. I think Tennessee. It's just it's in over its head, man. If you if you couldn't if you couldn't go out there and, and will yourself to win against BYU and 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 uh, what do you call it Georgia State? Because keep in mind, all the problems they've had they've had from the friendly confines of their own damn house. Like it's yep. a big difference. You got to open up that front door and go play in somebody else's yard. And that's I don't I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Here's the one thing that gives me a little bit of trepidation about Florida, and it's not just the fact that Kyle Trask is starting in his first game since his freshman year of high school, which has been well documented. And I, you know, I'm a believer in Kyle Trask. Yeah. I think Florida is going to struggle with putting Power Five teams away this year because of that offensive line. They have had a struggle on the ground to really get that ground game going, and when they should be able to use that ground game with Lamichael, Lamical, Lamical. P. Ryan to be able to kind of distance the lead late, I think maybe they struggle a little bit. And, you know, with obviously we know that Kadarius Toney is is expected to, to miss this one. C.J. Henderson and Jabari Zuniga are both questionable in this game. Like, I'm not saying, I'm not I'm not calling for an upset or anything like that like Lane Kiffin did, which I don't know if you want to stand by Why that. Why would lane. he do that? Why? Because, because he's, he, he's the, he rides the lane train. That's the what worst. he does. Um, he's not the no, he's the best. much worse than Lane Kiffin. Um, but... I, I do see ways in which Tennessee can at least hang around, maybe, but this How? could end up just looking really, really dumb. Listen, really, really I, I, I get what you're doing, and it is a rivalry game, and we were all high on Jerry Garantano, but it's not like they had one game where they they faltered. They had two. I know. I don't give it's a I don't give yet. a blank what they did against UT Chattanooga. And I'm sorry, Tennessee fans, but like I defended you guys a lot all off season, 
And I still owe you guys fifty dollars to go spray paint that stupid rock. But I mean, yeah, yeah. what you guys did against BYU, who? Why would I believe in you? Like at all? At all? I mean, you're, I'm just saying. I could look really dumb for that one. I hope you do. <laughs> Over under uh, references to Kyle Trask being a high school backup. I'm gonna set the over under at two point five. I'm gonna say under. I, I guess. Right. Because you don't need to say it that much. Yeah. Once it's out there, it's, it kind of is what it How is. How was he a high school backup? De'Aaron King's a really good quarterback. De'Aaron King had a – there was a good story in The Athletic, by the way, about um, De'Aaron King's kind of saying, like, Kyle Trask motivated him a lot. Yeah. It was, like, really helpful to have him, like, to, to be able to kind of share He's ideas with and dude, stuff. He's a big dude, man. He's a big dude. He's a big boy. I, I'm surprised he didn't right. switch to, like, tight end or something. He kind of looks like a Florida tight end. He looks like he Tate kinda, Casey. He looks identical to Tate Casey. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Interesting Power 5 matchup that is not getting a lot of attention, but Ugh. Ole Miss is a two-point favorite. As you correctly called, I was dead wrong on this one. I said that Cal was going to be favored by four in Oxford. That is not the case. <laughs> Ole Miss is favored by two against Cal. What do you got? Have you ever seen the movie Dewey Cox, the walk-hard Dewey Cox story? Oh, with um, uh, what's what's his name? I'm John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that- I haven't seen okay. it. Okay. No. <laughs> There's a line in that movie where he accidentally kills his brother, and, and his dad just mm-hmm. keeps saying, the wrong kid died, GD it. And, and that's all I can think about when I look at this line, because the wrong team is favored, GD it. <laughs> like, it's not, okay, now I get yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that was a stretch there. But listen, I, the wrong team is favored here. No offense, Ole Miss fans. I, I, I love what Ole Miss is able to do on this uh, – uh, with their with their defense, um, Cal is stacked. They have the best secondary in the Pac-12. It's a very good defense. Um, I'm, they should be favored here. I know it's going to be a 10 a.m. kick for them. This is going to be tough for me. The, is it a 9 a.m.? It's a 9 a.m. kick for them. I don't do time travel. I don't, yeah, I, don't, I mean, like, because it's 11 a.m. in Central, which is, I, it, you carry the three. They're going to be playing this game on a damn Tuesday in London. No, I, I, I would say... It's a it's an odd spread. You know what the over under is on this? It's like thirty nine and a half. Thirty nine and a half. That is a crazy low number for an SEC football game. I'm, I'm going to take Cal to win uh, and cover the spread. I tell you what, what, the best the best thing you could do on this one, in my opinion, is just tease it. Tease. I, I would just straight. I would tease. I would tease it with. I think the over. I don't know honestly. Now that I say tease it. I, but that, that, that's that's just an odd line. It's a very odd. This line. game scares me. Yeah, this game scares me because of the Bears. Because the Bears. Exactly, Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, don't mess with that. Tease it with the over. Ah. Tease it with the over. Like so, it's Cal plus nine, and then take what do you call it, the over at thirty-two? Surely seventeen to sixteen could happen in this game, right? I would think, yeah, right? I, I mean, that, but then that fifteen to ten game against Memphis creeps into the back of your and mind. Cal, making, but see, Cal, and here's the thing. We know what Washington's offense is capable of, right? It, Do we, though? I think. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's still Washington. a bit of a mystery with Jacob Eason right now. I like Jacob yeah. Eason. I think that he got kind of a – he was put in a tough situation in year one in Kirby, but – with Kirby, but Ooh. I think that it was it was a t- it was a tough game for them to be able to to get anything yeah. going. I, I don't know what the final product of Washington's offense looks like, but I give Cal a ton of credit for going up there and winning. I, I tell you what, if, if, you know, if Ole Miss wins this game, if Ole Miss wins this game, and you and I know Memphis isn't ranked yet, but you look at what that Memphis team is and what we think they can be in being like a New Year's Six team and all that kind of you know in, in a New Year's Six bowl. That that C-Log, that Southeast Louisiana outlier is just so bizarre to me because that 40-29 is such a weird, weird score. But if Ole Miss can find a way to win this game and be 3-1, ah, man, hats off to Matt Luke. 
that, that's yeah, Matt great. Luke would be sitting sitting much prettier than uh, than initially we, we kind and of. How about McIntyre this year? Because we we all thought that Rich Rod was going to be the answer, and he sucks <laughs> compared to compared it's, to McIntyre. It's a work in progress, yeah. inexperienced offense. We can say that, yeah. but Mike McIntyre has been just night and day. Just guys are, guys are lined up in much better positions to make tackles. I, I would expect this to be a really low scoring game, but I'm gonna I would take I would take Cal if I'm getting two points yeah. from them. Absolutely. Um, the words defensive struggle oh. on the broadcast. I set the over under at one point five. Over my brother. That is a great great Connor, you're so good at this. Thank um you. that's Thank good. You. That's good stuff. Yeah, because that, that is that's the best way to describe it. Welcome to twenty nineteen where the words defensive struggle are said about Ole Miss football. Yeah. That's Go a figure. good point. Great game. My two, my two guys battling head to head. Feel like my kids are fighting. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops against Joe Moorhead. Kentucky is a six-point dog in Stark Vegas. A lot of people are surprised to see that. Surprised just because Mississippi State coming off of a less than stellar performance against Kansas State, pretty uninspiring. We think that Tommy Stevens is going to be able to go. Joe Moorhead said that he's feeling much better. That kind of remains to be seen. He'll probably have to get out there before that happens. This this one is is just really really tough. Really really tough. Emotionally, I, you threw out the idea emotionally for you in every way possible, in every single way, um, because the idea of like Kentucky of Kentucky dropping to zero and two in conference play to me is tough to stomach. When I've been saying this whole this whole off season, I don't think Kentucky's fallen off the face of the world. But I do think that Mississippi State could win but not cover. I would pick Kentucky to cover six points. Getting six points, I think, right now is favorable. That Mississippi State defense has issues, and I think Sawyer Smith is going to be able to do some things against it. I think this could be a huge game for Lynn Bowden. Look for a Lynn Bowden potential special teams Ooh, touchdown. We keep saying it. So Mississippi State has had issues in that category. They had the big kickoff return that they allowed against Kansas State that sort of brought them back into the game. I, I would not be surprised to see a big return special teams touchdown from our guy, your guy, more specifically, Lynn yeah. Bowden. But, yeah, I'll take Kentucky to cover six points, Brett. I'll take Kentucky to win outright. I, don't, I said this last week at the way Sticking I watched them play uh, against Florida, and I said whoever they play next week, I'm not – I just – the way I saw Mark Stoops carry himself in that postgame press conference seemed like a different Mark Stoops. This was not like, oh, you know, we gave it everything we had and we tried – he was pissed. He was pissed that they blew it. He was pissed they pissed lost. Mark I do too, man. And, and, I, and I just I, – no offense to Joe Moorhead or anything like that, but this Mississippi State team, yeah, they're 2-1. and one. They haven't they haven't shown me anything this year. They haven't shown me anything. They, like you you I, I know I said Louisiana Lafayette was going to cover the spread and they did. Um, there's not a single thing that Mississippi State has done this year. Where I've been like, there you go. Like that that's how you prove yourself in the SEC or or like you know when you've lost these people on defense. They haven't done anything that's really been overly impressive to me. And, and I'm going to take their traders run was not impressive was, to you. You know what? It's the how most it's you. the most perfect way to. I'm glad you brought it up, Connor, because. Just like everything else they've done this season, it came up one yard short, and it's it's oh, like that's, yeah. it was yeah it was a gritty run and all that kind of stuff. But like they just haven't done anything that really has has gone out there and been like they put the clamps down on somebody on defense. They've been able to stop the run. They didn't make like you know a lot of their own mistakes. And, and listen, that's again that's at home. That's at home. And I know they get to play Kentucky at home, but I think Kentucky's going to come in there. And Kentucky's a little bit different of a team because we're talking about one quarter that went. Even with all the defensive laps, even with how much they gave that game away, they still had a chance to win on a field goal. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know how I feel. Field goal shouldn't even be a part of the game. 
<laughs> I, think, I think Mississippi State lacks an identity right now. Yeah. Despite the fact that, th- that Kylan Hill is number three in the country in rushing, I think they lack a little bit of an identity. And Tommy Stevens not being able to, to perform at his best in the second half of that game definitely They're like hurt. the Caitlin J- Never mind. We're not going to do this. We're I watched too much of that roast on Comedy Central. Um, how many shots of Benny Snell's post-game viral moments from this game last year are we going to get? I set the over/under at 0.5. They have to show yeah, it, right? Show it once. Not not enough for you. I can't wait to not see enough. how you. I want to watch You're going to be. God. Yeah, I, I just this is like if Bam on the Red Sox played each other for me. Like, I, don't, I don't even know how. You, oh come on! You're going to be so torn on this. You just call you Natalie and Bruglia because you are torn. That's a really good reference if you were not born after 2000. <laughs> no, I like seriously watching this game. I, I do feel that. After watching this game last year, you know that was the moment where I said, "Oh wow, I way way underestimated yeah. Kentucky." And Benny Snell's post game moment, which I, I tweeted it out today, just made me so sad that he's not in college football anymore, yeah. and that we can't get Benny Snell looking straight into a camera saying, "Keep doubting us, keep doubting yeah. us." I, I I need that back in my life asap. It's not good enough that he's just on the Steelers and is a backup in the NFL. Okay, let's move on to another great conference game. Auburn, Texas A&M. That line, I bet, is going to move. As of right now, <laughs> while we're recording this, it is three and a half points that Texas A&M is favored by. You're laughing. Is A&M favored? Has that line moved since then? I don't know. I thought hey, I thought Auburn was favored in this game. No, A&M's favored. Oh, I thought they were beforehand. I'm saying like earlier in the season. I don't. I I got Auburn to win outright. I don't I, like. Not just because the road team, here's a stat for you, the road team has won six out of the past seven of these games. That's going to be tough for a freshman to go in there in that environment. Um, I, I Also, what is the under? Hold on, what is the under? I'm, I'm looking at, I'm looking up just to just to double-check to make sure I didn't. No, no, you got it right. I know you did. I just, I'm just i shocked that that's the line. Um, I, I mean, they're at home. The under is, the over-under is 47.5. I would jump all over that under. Um I just, I mean, what, 47 and a half? What are we talking about here? That's not that crazy. 27, 20, 21. 24, 23. Yeah. That's, yeah. Tw- I mean, yeah. either way, like, I, I don't think, what I saw from A&M at Clemson, I know it's a road game. I get all that. They did not seem to have an answer. And Mon didn't especially have an answer for what that defensive front was able to throw at them. I mean, we talked about Trevor Lawrence earlier. Kellen Mond, five touchdowns, three interceptions so far. He has not looked anywhere close to what we thought we did last year. And and here's the deal. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hope that that freshman from Auburn comes in here and just makes a bunch of mistakes. You you gotta hope that he comes in there and is just making mistake after mistake after mistake. He has two interceptions in the season. Both of them came in the first half against that Oregon game or in that Oregon game. I I've got I've got Auburn to win outright. I think the under is the play because. That they're, I mean, that that defense—they're going to keep you in so many games because of how yep. how good they are. And hopefully, Derek Brown is healthy for that Auburn defense. The weird injury that he had yeah. against Kent State, where he leaves that game in the first quarter because he's fatigued. We found out he was sick. Who knows what his status is going to be if he's going to be at full go for that yeah. one? Got to think that Auburn's going to need all hands on deck. I think with Bonix, the quarterback battle is really interesting. I was wondering, looking at Bonix's numbers. And just, you know, you watch you watch Auburn and you're kind of thinking, man, Auburn's throwing the ball a lot. Yeah. They really have, have rolled him out there in a lot more passing situations than I expected to early on. Obviously, part of that in the Oregon game was the fact that they were trailing in the second half. But Bo Nix is averaging 28 pass attempts. And I kept wondering, like, what's what's the point of this? Like, what is Gus going for? What are you doing, Gus? 
knew Gus had a point. New Gus in the back of his mind, I think that New Gus was thinking, AM, the way to beat Mike Elko's defense is not by running against them. Go ask Clemson about that. Go ask Travis Etienne, who was held to 53 rushing yards against that Texas AM defense, putting one extra defender in the box. Right. Mike Elko said, Trevor Lawrence, you're gonna beat us. You're gonna be the guy who's gonna to have to beat us. And you know, credit AM because I thought they contained Trevor Lawrence relatively well. He made some incredible throws in that game, but they made him go to the air to try and yeah. win that game. That's gonna be the plan against Auburn. And I think New Gus has said, I, I don't care. We're gonna throw the ball. It doesn't matter to me if if you're a, a running quarterback, you're a dual threat quarterback, you're more comfortable running. Throw the ball, man. Yeah. Get a report with your receivers. We need to be ready to go into College Station and not just expect to run the ball you know, 40, 50 times in that game and win. They need to be able to throw the ball. So that's what I'm interested in seeing. I think Auburn wins the game outright, too. I think New Gus flexes his muscles. I think it's bicep and back day for him down in College Station. <laughs> Does a little heavy Wait, lifting. Wait, are you picking him to win? There. I'm picking Auburn Damn to win it, as well. Damn it, Connor. I had this in my crystal ball, too, Me so too. I'm sticking with that. God. Well, now I don't want to pick him because it's already Auburn. You suck, man. That's like you just let me go out on my limb against them. That's that's the worst. Um, How about this? Over under, Bo Nix passing attempts twenty eight. Under his average under. so far. His, I get all, I get everything you're saying, but you're also you're not highlighting the fact that Auburn ran for four hundred and sixty seven yards last week. They had three running backs rush for over hundred yards, which has never happened under Gus before, and it's the first time it's happened for Auburn since nineteen eighty three. So I, I get what you're saying, but there's no. The, the key for a team winning in on the road with a freshman quarterback is not airing the ball out in this offense. I, they're going to run. They're going to try to run the football. Take the under. I'll tell you what the best play is, and I'm, I'm not going to put this on our lock of the week because I, I don't want to put a teaser in our lock of the week. But Auburn plus nine, or I'm sorry, plus ten and a half with that under at at fifty three and a half or fifty four and a half. That seems like free money. Could be. We've got three more games to roll through real quick here. South Carolina, Mizzou. Mizzou is a nine and a half point favorite in this one. I have talked myself into this even more so than what I said in the preseason oh crystal ball. I am taking South Carolina not only to cover, oh. but to win outright. Yeah. I think that they go into Columbia, the other Columbia. And I think that they with Ryan Hilinski, Ryan Trilsinki, your guy. Yeah. They pull off, they pull off an upset, and they give a little bit of like a whoa. Have we been underestimating what this offense can do? Type of type of game where I think the East is just going to be all over the place. It's going to be wild this year. I think it's a good back and forth game, much like last year, although with less rain this year. And I think that South Carolina pulls off the upset. The Ryan Helinski hype train gets rolling a little bit faster. So. First and foremost, this is brought to my attention from a few people in, in Columbia last week, and I, I I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just I'm shooting from the hip here. Uncle Chris is just going to just be as transparent and honest as possible. There were some people that were upset with the things that I said about South Carolina fans and said that I I quote unquote took some shots at South Carolina fans. That is not what my intention was at all. Uh, I hope that everyone can hear that. I that I was not trying to take shots at South Carolina fans. I was trying to, you know. Portray what my experience was with facts of how my day and weekend went in Columbia. I've said it a bazillion times. I can't believe I have to say it again. Is I, I love Columbia, South Carolina. My family lives in, in Columbia, South Carolina. Besides the heat, I love everything about that city. So I want to apologize to a few of the South Carolina fans that reached out that were upset about that. It has nothing to do with me not thinking highly of your institution or your city. That being said... There's a there's a reason why this this line is at nine and a half. 
Do we think Missouri is really 10 points better than South Carolina after what we've seen from South Carolina in the past couple weeks? I don't. I <laughs> Very very honest answer. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that. But I will say this. I think that Will Muschamp has been so badly outcoached uh, in games. Uh, you know, like we know what his record is against the top 25. It's it's 2-19, and 19, I think, all time. Um, he, he's not a great coach. You're going away from home. I think that, that whole Bama fatigue thing that we've hear, heard so much about, like hot teams feel like the week after. I love Helsinki. I think he keeps That's it close early. Um, I just think that that late in the game, going on the road, because this is not like a road game. Like we're going to Athens, we're going to Gainesville. God, this is a this is a trip, man. This is a haul. Um, I just I think it's one of those things where, no offense, but like you heard this with Florida a couple years ago, and it, it's not like an electric environment that you're like up and ready for. It's so that stadium sometimes is half filled, and it's it's hard to kind of really get up for this after what happened last week. So I'm gonna take Mizzou to win, and I'm also gonna take him to cover. Which I don't feel great about, but I, I do I do feel good about them winning. Okay, well then, along those lines, I'm assuming you're going to take the over with this. Alberto touchdowns, I set the over under at 1.5. Yeah, as long as he doesn't drop any like last year, I'll take I'll take the over on that. He's got seven catches this year, three of them for touchdowns. Yeah, it's pretty good odds. It's a pretty good red zone target for Kelly Bryant. Okay, the game that we've all been waiting for. San Jose State against Arkansas. Let's just skip Arkansas. this one. I will take Arkansas. I don't know anything about San Jose State. So. Arkansas is a 20.5-point favorite. I will also take Arkansas. Did you see Club Dub, by the way, which has gone semi-viral in SEC circles? We'll say Each that. and every week, I just I, I love to be reminded in real time that you don't watch my college football uncensored videos. I watched some of them. <laughs> That's, we, we posted that last week because I didn't realize that, that Chad Morris is like a, he's a good dancer. Kind of, I mean, for good. his age, for like, if out of all the Costco dads I've ever seen dance, he's he's the best one. That's fair. Yeah, there you go. I did see Club Dub though. It was on the College Football Uncensored this week. Yeah. Okay. I should probably watch College Football Uncensored this week. I haven't been able to do that yet, and you should too. You should totally watch yeah. it. I bet it's great. <laughs> Marlon puts a lot of time into it, so you should definitely watch that. All right, shots of Nick Starkle warming up in a Bieber shirt. I set the over-under at .5. We need one, It's right? got to be over. They, it's, they're so weird about it. They show it all the time. They need to show it they, at least they once. Do, if yeah. they don't, for shame. For shame. Okay, the game that we're actually all waiting for. Notre Dame. Georgia. We've already talked about it. Georgia's going to cover in this game. Georgia is a 14-point favorite. We've talked about the run game issues that Notre Dame has had stopping the run and the fact that Georgia has the best offensive line in the country, has a couple of running backs who are averaging nine yards a carry. So stupid. Seems like money in the bank. Is there any way, any way, that Notre Dame covers 14 points? Oh, there's definitely ways that Notre Dame will cover 14 points. Just like there's, there's ways that they were able to, you know, come away with wins against Miami in that 93 season with that just miracles that happened because the refs or, you know, just go undefeated somehow in 2012 and and get into the national championship from BCS. There's a lot of ways that things could go in favor of Notre Dame, and especially on a gambling standpoint. I don't think they will, and that's why my lock of the week that we're going to talk about here in a second, Connor, is Georgia minus seven in the first half. Oh, There you go. Take that. Jump all over it. Um, Only minus seven in the first half. I think half. it's seven wow. and a half. But get on my bookie. Buy, buy a half point. It's just it's free money. Um, so, yeah, I, I, there's, there's ways they could backdoor cover, but they are going to get physically manhandled in this game up and down the field. I don't disagree with you. I really don't. 
the more and more I think about it, I'm trying to look at all angles and try and be an objective as, as objective as possible and not just say the home SEC team playing tonight is automatically going to beat the team from the Midwest because that's the easy thing to say. But I have really tried to look at this in a variety of ways. And like I said about the receiver situation, that's the only thing that I think is really going to be a potentially trying moment for Georgia. Ian Book is a great quarterback, of course. I think he's been asked to do a lot in that offense, and I think he's going to be overwhelmed yeah. facing Kirby Smart's defense and, in what's going to be their first real big game that they have to get up for. They'll be they'll be fired up, ready to go for that one. And I, I don't want to take offense to this because I know you're Irish, but I want to say one thing. Whoa. Okay. Where are you about to go? Keep in mind, okay, America never lost a war to potatoes. Whoa. So I'm just saying, Whoa. I'm taking the Georgia Bulldogs. Okay. I'm just I'm just letting you know. All right. As somebody who is only here because his ancestors were involved in the potato famine, I do take offense I'm just to saying, you saying that. that Georgia's never lost a war to potatoes. Okay. You had to go there. You just had to go there. Over under 17 DeAndre Swift carries. Keep in mind, his career high in carries is 17. Is he even going to need 17 carries in this game? No, he's not. But, I mean, I'm going to say I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over just because okay. if, if this is something that for whatever reason is close late, he, he will be in the game running the clock out in the fourth quarter. So, DeAndre Swift home runs are my favorite home runs Man. of all the home Ooh. runs. They are fun to watch. And you know Notre Dame has to have at least one white starter in that back seven that's going to get just – he's going to get posterized on, on trying to make a tackle in the open field. It's going to be like a Zelensky that's playing like strong safety. He's a fifth-year senior or something stupid like that. What would you rather take? Mike Tyson in his current form. No, the answer punch, whatever punch the other the face. is. Whatever the other is. <laughs> current form or DeAndre Swift getting to the secondary with a head of steam? DeAndre Swift. I would just pretend not to – I would just dive the other way. Mike oh, Tyson? Well, I, meant like you had to, I, I meant like you had to actually take the take. You had to oh, take the head I'd on. Still like, take, I'd still otherwise take you could Swift. duck out of the way of Mike I would Tyson. Take Swift, I would take Swift's dad. I would take Swift over his dad at this point. I mean, they, Mike Tyson. His dad is scary. His dad is scary. I would, I, would, I would do a lot of things Ooh. to not take a punch from Mike Tyson. Yeah, or DeAndre Swift's dad, yeah. who is bigger than you and I combined. Locks of the week. We've been we've been hot. We've been real yeah, hot. It's water will find its level. Probably. Shut up! Why no, do you say no, this? No, it won't. No, it won't. It's never going to find its level. We're riding high. The tide is high. We're going to continue to give you free money. I just I can't with you sometimes. Okay, my lock of the week. I'm sticking with what's working right now. What's working is me betting against team Big Ten teams from the state of Michigan. Right. I am betting against the same exact team that I bet against last week. When I said that Arizona State was going to cover plus 14 at Michigan State, and they won outright. Take that for your Superdog College Game Day, who can't figure out what a Superdog is. (laughs) I went there. (laughs) Northwestern is at home. Nine and a half point underdogs to Michigan State. I don't know how that is possible, considering not only is that game in Evanston, Northwestern has beat Michigan State three straight years. Pat Fitzgerald has marked Antonio's number. Northwestern has won by 10 at Michigan State last year. Oh, and by the way, just in case that wasn't enough, Michigan State has 14 or less points in five straight games against Power 5 teams. How are they going to cover double digits on the road against Northwestern in that tall grass? I, I don't know. I don't watch Big Ten football. What's Well, uh, you felt like you just did right I there. I did. That was good. Um, okay. A lot of interesting games here, guys. A lot of interesting games. Um, here's where I'm going to go. By the way, the... the Odd Shark over here has 
Arkansas to win by 10 total points. <laughs> we'll bleep that out and put it in my book. Well, no, yeah. I'm just, this is a, this is not, you don't gamble there. You just look at odds and stuff. Oh, yeah, right, right, a, right. Just a research Duh. thing. Um, no, but anyway, but uh, so I, this is, my lock of the week is Utah money line on the road at South Carolina, or at, uh, wow, at, at USC. It's a Friday night game. I love the Utes. I love the Utes. I, I think they're, they're one of the most underrated um, teams in the country, even though they're ranked 11th in the country, or maybe they're 10th now. I will also, I, I'm going to take Georgia minus seven in the first half. I'm going to buy that half point. That seems like free money. Uh, seven points. Like, I, I would be shocked if this game is close in the first half, especially the way that Georgia's been getting out ahead of teams in the first half. So, I'll take Georgia and Utah. I'm only going to do two. I'm only going to do two. Um, do what works. Some, some ones that I like also, just in general. Uh, I, I like Michigan, man. I like Michigan to cover that three and a half points. Mm. I, I kind of like them to win outright. I know like history's not on my side on that, but I, I like them. I like Texas. Always six is underdogs. Yeah. I mean, model. I don't say I feel good about it. And both teams are coming off a week off, which is interesting. Um, I love I love that teaser that I said earlier with Auburn. Uh, Those like road underdogs. Um, and I tell you what, you know what? That lock with I like Southern Miss. I like Southern Miss against Bama. And look at Texas. You're, look at Texas okay. in the first half. I see where you're What? I see where you're going. You're like, ah, oh, that's other Miskins, Bama. That way I'm not going to feel bad if the running game doesn't get going. I said that beforehand. I, I said they weren't going to cover. I know you said that. I know you said that. But if you put you that much can't more get, emphasis on it. You're so ridiculous. Um, I, 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 you know what? Another one here is Texas minus three in the first half against Oklahoma State. Texas is only a six-point favorite They've now, lost four straight they? games to them. They haven't beat them at home since 2008. Mm, that's weird. That is a, a weird game. I would stay away from that one. All right. Let's go to our interview with RBFF the grittiest receiver that we have on this here podcast, Chris Doring. I'm not excited to be joined by one of our BFFs. It is Chris Doring. CD, now that you guys are on TV that much more with SEC This Morning, the simulcast that you guys are doing, how many more daily push-ups are you doing? <laughs> you know what, though? I, I'm going to have to increase it, though, because my man PB tried to show up with a with a, a T-shirt on, man. It, it looked like a... A small. He's trying to get his guns away from there. So <laughs> I think the only way for me to outdo him, I told him I'm, I'm going to go with a half shirt, like the old cutoffs we used to wear back in the. Yep. Uh, oh hell yeah! I'm going to rock that this week. I like that. <laughs> That's an alpha move on your part. I fully support that. Um, <laughs> in all seriousness, and not actually in total seriousness, what's the what's that adjustment been like for you and PB? Because I, I imagine it is different. Do you like have to take morning showers now? Like, what's that all been like for you? Yeah, and you guys, you may or may not know this. I'm sure Marlon knows this because he, he listens to the show quite a bit. But uh, I'm a bass guy, and so in the hotel, <laughs> never, never take a bath. Never take a bath in a hotel because you know how many people urinate in those things. So you don't take a bath in a hotel. But my hotel especially doesn't. It's just a shower. So um, it is a little different for me to get up and get going. You know, i got to be at the studio at 6, so I'm getting up at 5.30. Um, that's on the heels of a Friday. My schedule to get to Charlotte on Fridays, I got a five ten flight, so I'm up at three thirty five. So uh, I got some early call times there for the uh, the television during this time of year, man. Jeez, that is. I'm a bad wild. guy. It's just that is a quote for all for all time. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, so actual football stuff. I, I always imagine the feeling of watching your starting quarterback go down with a serious injury is just it's a different kind of deflating as a player. You know, multiple SEC teams have had to deal with this reality. Most recently, of course, Florida with Felipe Franks. We can say next man up and all that crap all we want, but based on your experience, what's that really like in that moment? 
Yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, because the, the storyline dating back to when we were all in Hoover was the experience at the quarterback position. You know, nine teams brought quarterbacks as representatives to media days. Yeah. Um, you think about, you know, the way that the, the, the expectation was that this was going to be a, a year that the offense is dominated, and you lose so many of your starting guys so early in the season that all of a sudden, you know, you're seeing a lot of uh, inexperienced guys have to step in. But at the same time, I mean, they, they really haven't missed a, a ton, you know, from, from what we expected from them. I mean, look at Holinsky at South Carolina, had them uh, looking pretty good against Charleston Southern and putting 500 yards of offense up against Alabama. You look at Sawyer Smith, I thought was really good for the majority of that game against Florida. And then Kyle Trask comes in and, and saves the day for the Gators in the fourth quarter with 19 unanswered points. So, you know, it is hard. I can tell you having been – uh, on a part of some teams where we lost starting quarterbacks, particularly, you know, in Pittsburgh. I remember being with the Steelers, and Tommy Maddox was our established starter. Uh, high hopes for the year, and he goes down in the first game of the season against the Ravens and in steps a rookie by the name of Ben Roethlisberger, and uh, things actually stayed pretty good, and they even got a little bit better. And this is it's funny because uh, this week we talk about uh, this is the first time that Drew Brees and, and Ben Roethlisberger haven't played. One of those two guys hasn't played on Sunday since uh, 2004, which is that year that uh, he wow. took over in Pittsburgh. So some consistency there, but it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a tough dynamic. I think the benefit you're seeing, though, is having a, a reliable backup, particularly in Florida's case, having Kyle Trask, a guy that is a graduate that could have gone elsewhere. A lot of people here in Gainesville thought he was going to go to Central Michigan with Jim McElwain uh, as a, a graduate transfer, but uh, he stayed around. And In fact, you know there were multiple – media outlets that were writing stories about like why are you staying clearly this is felipe frank's job and kyle trask said hey i love being a gator i want to be a part of this program the rebuilding of of the gator uh, legacy and um his patience is being rewarded now which i think is a really cool story i feel terribly for felipe but uh you know one one man's issue is another man's opportunity and i i think that kyle trask is poised to take uh, his place in, in Gator history, and, and I think he's going to do a good job uh, running the offense here under under Dan Mullen. All right, CD, listen, you know you're my boy, and, and I love watching the show, but I, you know, I hate to do this to you right now, but it was 459 yards of offense. It was not 500 yards of offense. Oh, my uh, God. So let's <laughs> <The> <laughs> here. Sorry, I forgot you were there. I'm going to pitch you the there it is. No, no. So, but, but that being said, because he looked great, man. Halinski's looked great. That team looks different. And I feel like with the thing with the quarterbacks going down, and you saw what happened in Lexington, I feel like it can give a new breath of life into some of these teams or their programs. Do you think? I, I feel like that's what happened at South Carolina. And, and you know, do you think that's what's going on there? Maybe Florida. And where would you rate some of these quarterbacks if you had to? Well, I think in South Carolina's case, you know, I went back and watched that North Carolina loss uh, the first week of the season. Everybody wanted to blame Jake Bentley, but there were mistakes all across the board. I mean, busted protections, receivers not running their routes the right way, or dropping balls when they had opportunities. So and the quarterback always is going to get too much of the credit when things go well and too much of the blame when they don't go well. And um, you know, I think that was the case with Jake Bentley. You know, I think he's a victim of his own success. Coming in midway through that season where he was a, a, a freshman and had the, the red shirt ripped off of him only to kind of save that, that, that season for the Gamecocks, Set the level pretty high. The expectation level was 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 really uh, tough to meet, and he ne- hadn't necessarily lived up to it. So sometimes, you know, everybody everybody's favorite player is the backup quarterback until the backup right. quarterback becomes a starter, and then you know, then there's criticism for him. But at this moment, I think Kalinsky is a lot like Bentley, a guy that that's high energy, 
that's encouraging, that, that brings some juice to his team. Um, I watched him in, in scrimmages uh, in Columbia back before the season, and you know, he, he, his offenses ran very smoothly. He was a guy that knew where to go with the football, got it out of his hands quickly, and threw with great accuracy, which is the combination of things you want at a quarterback. Um, I think it's very similar for Kyle Trask. After watching him in the scrimmages in the preseason, you know, I saw offenses that he was leading that, that moved with some rhythm, and you saw that when he came in in the fourth quarter. Um, he took what the defenses were giving him, knew what, what the pre-snap reads were telling him, and got the ball out and let playmakers make plays after the catch. And I, I think, you know, sometimes – Having a new voice in the huddle, having somebody you know under center can can maybe bring some some complimentary things that the offense hasn't necessarily done well under the previous starter. So speaking of Trask, and you brought it up before, how everybody kind of thought he would leave. Everybody knows his story by now. A guy who was a, a high school backup, Derek King, was the starter at that program, and he has such a very unique situation for 2019. We, we know that, you know, th- what the public kind of thinks of him. What about in that locker room and, and Dan Mullen? How do they feel about him? Because I don't know if, if enough was made about that. It was quickly kind of forgotten that Dan Mullen went to Kyle Trask in that moment and not Emory Jones, even though Emory Jones is considered the quarterback in waiting, and that surprised probably at least some people. But what's, what's kind of the perception of Kyle Trask within that locker room and from Dan Mullen? Well, I'm sure it didn't surprise the players and anybody that's been out to practice because it's, it's always been – Kyle Trask that was getting the second team reps. Um, I think if you look back historically, Dan Mullen has not been a guy that's put quarterbacks in situations where they're going to fail. More times than not, those guys have been Richard sophomores, Richard juniors, or even later in their careers. So some of it has to do with the development of of Emory. I think he understands that he's not where he needs to be yet. And I think that's something that'll happen uh, along the lines when he's continuing to get more uh, reps and all. I think he's shown some patience that a lot of these kids don't have. Um, I think it also speaks to the confidence that they have in, in Kyle Trask. And I, I can tell you the teammates have confidence in Kyle Trask as well. Think back to last year. Remember that Missouri game? Kyle Trask came in and basically yep. moved the team up and down the field where everybody else was, was right. struggling. That's, that's a good point. So what, th- what changes do you think this brings to the offense? Because, I mean, I know you want to run your offense no matter who's in there. But at the same time, do you think we'll see as many downfield throws with Trask as we had with Felipe, or do you think we'll see more of a power run game that, uh, with Trask? Well, I think, I, I think what you lose with Kyle Trask is the quarterback run game, and I think that's why you'll see some packages for Emory Jones. I think uh, you'll, you'll see him be able to come in and, and give you some of the zone read stuff and give you some of the quarterback power stuff, although you know, they ran some quarterback stuff in the red zone, the tight red zone, and how yeah. successful yep. against Kentucky. So I think you'll have to see – you know, both Trask come in and, and, and run the football as the quarterback is required to do in Dan Mullen's offense. He said it before, you don't have to be an adept runner, you have to be a willing runner. When the defense gives you a look that, that you have to tuck it and go, you have to be willing to do that or else the number count uh, situation doesn't work. So I, I think you'll see him do that. And I think Emery will come in and he'll have to throw the football too. I mean, if you, if, if you come in and you just run the ball every time, that certainly is quite the tell for the defense. So I, I think he's going to have to show his ability to throw the football too. But um, I, I don't think I think the thing that I liked the most about Kyle Trask uh, in, in that fourth quarter against Kentucky is that he took what the defense was giving him. I think we've right. seen at times Felipe's aggressiveness and his desire to make the big play when it's not there, and he's thrown the football down the field. Um, maybe when there was a smarter check down or a, an intermediate route could have hit. So I think that's one thing that Kyle did really well against the Wildcats is just taking what the defense is giving you 
allowing you know the offense to work and, and knowing where to go with the football. And um, I think that uh, Kyle Trask has a really high football IQ, um, and I think that's going to be something that that'll benefit the uh, the Florida offense. And that again, this is not taking anything away from Felipe. It's not speaking disparagingly about him at all. It's a, I think it's just a, a little different look that can be equally as effective right. as as it was with Felipe. CD, I'm going to paint a little picture for you. If you get this right, you don't have to worry about losing your six-pack. If you get it wrong, you get a beer belly for <laughs> the rest of your life. Felipe Franks next year at this time is where? Well, I feel like I'm being set up for failure here. I mean, yeah, so <laughs> it's, uh, it's t- tough to think about you know, what happens the rest of the way under Kyle Trask. I mean, if Kyle goes out and lights it up, remember, again, he was supposed to be the starter after that Missouri game last year, and he got injured in, in the practice. I mean, Felipe very easily could have never gotten the job back. So you, you really don't know how that's going to pan out. Um, you know, you, obviously there's quarterbacks that are moving all over with the transfer portal situation and the grad transfer rule and everything else. So you know, that, that could play in as well. And then let's not forget, there was a lot of money on the table from the Boston Red Sox uh, for him to, to play yeah. baseball after not having played for a long time. Um, I know I'm, I'm 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 sitting on the fence here a little bit because I'm I'm afraid of this lifelong beer belly. But what what is the correct answer? <laughs> Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think at this point, I, I think that we we've talked about it too. We talked about it with Neil Blackman, who came on a couple weeks ago and said the the worst kept secret in Gainesville is that no matter what, Felipe Franks is going to the NFL after this year, and maybe maybe that is the route. That's that's if I had a six pack, I'm like trying to get to that point. If I had it, that's what I would bet it on. I have a hard time. I have a hard time believing. I mean, with the skill set he has, he's got the great arm. He's got the great size that they look for. He's, he's mobile. I just I haven't seen enough of the consistency to think that he would be a high draft choice. I mean, maybe you get into the league and you start collecting checks as a as a backup. But um, you know, I, I just I, I find that hard to believe. I mean, maybe who knows? I mean, what's the trend in college football? You want to go to the NFL? You want to be a high draft pick? You go to Como, right? Everybody's going to be with Derek Dooley, uh, black team <laughs> for a senior season. Kelly Bryant went there. Who knows what happens with uh, with Felipe? Go to Oklahoma. Here. Yeah, true. That's <laughs> you want to win a Heisman Trophy. Go to Oklahoma. You want to be drafted number one overall. Go to Oklahoma. Um, in a post Felipe Frank's world, what chance do you give Tennessee to roll into the swamp and stun the Gators? You know what? It's interesting because if you look at the point spread. I think it's fourteen points, which leads you yep. to believe there's not much chance at all. But then you go back and you look at the last two times Tennessee's come to Gainesville. Uh, remember, it was Will Greer hitting Antonio Callaway on fourth and 14 for uh, the game, game when yeah. he touched down. You look back two years ago, it was Felipe Franks throwing the, the deep pass that evidently was not a Hail Mary to uh, Tyree Cleveland. So these games have been competitive. I know that, that Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since 2003, but it's not like they've been blown out every time. I mean, I think you look back last year, Florida – Jumped out to the fast start against the Vols. A couple turnovers for Tennessee in their own territory set Florida's offense up. But you know they played pretty well the rest of the way. So I I, I don't think it's going to be a, a blowout. I think it'll be competitive. Um, Florida has to figure out how to run the football better. They've been terribly do, terrible doing that so far to this point in time. Um, but if there's ever a team to do that against, it's against the Vols who've had their struggles uh, up front and, and particularly stopping the run. Yeah, I'm just hold on. I'm taking notes over here on how to be that non-biased. That was impressive. That was good. That was, that was, really that, good. That was some good. That was some good coach speak, CD. I like that. Um, you, know, you know, it's funny. Okay, so, so I got uh, I got criticized. I was on some Gator show last night, and, and they were asking why I was such a Gator hater. You know, it's uh, 
it's amazing how Man. two groups of people can listen to the same thing come out of a guy's mouth and take them in two separate, totally different ways. CD, there's not there's not a, a mantra that I've been saying more this week than that, and Allie's sick of hearing it because this has been after after that trip to Columbia. Yeah, it's preach, brother. Um, so week week four though, there's like there's a good slate of games. I feel like this week, um, I personally think Florida will blow out Tennessee just because I've seen the BYU and Georgia State games. But give me someone who should be on upset alert this week. Ooh, upset, upset alert! You know what? I think an interesting dynamic. I'm not gonna say upset alert uh, because I don't think it would be that big of an upset. But I saw that the, the line on Mississippi State and Kentucky. Mississippi State's a seven-point favorite over Kentucky. And I, I don't know if that's the hangover effect that, that, uh, that people are thinking that Kentucky's not going to show up. But I can tell you after going back and watching the tape, Kentucky's the real deal. Um, you know, they elevated yep. themselves last year. A lot of people think they're, you know, that was just a, 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 an aberration, a, a blip on the radar where their things are going to return back to the way they've always been in Lexington. But I saw offensive lines that are physical. I mean, the, the offensive line for, for Kentucky completely stymied Florida's pass rush. Which, yeah. You know, racked up 15 sacks in the first two weeks. They only allowed one, and that was on a busted protection. Uh, you look at the defensive line, Florida was able to get zero push, and that's a, a physical, strong, big defensive front. So, to me, they, they, we're, we're starting to see, you know, what makes teams – really good in the SEC is the, the line of scrimmage, being able to compete on the line of scrimmage, and Kentucky has that. Um, let's not forget that, that Mississippi State probably has their own hangover going on with that loss to, yeah. to K-State. They dominated the third quarter only to kick the ball off to start the fourth and have that 100-yard kickoff return completely change the momentum of that game. So um, I'm not so sure that it's an upset, as I said, but I, I, I think Kentucky might go into Starkville and win that game. Love it. Yeah, don't don't hate that at all. I was saying that the other day as well. Um, the other day on SEC this morning, you put me on the spot to come up with the best SEC newcomer, which you could definitely tell that I needed a few seconds to come up with something that wasn't totally stupid. So today I'm going to try and put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Uh, area, your main area of expertise, so you shouldn't be too much on the spot. Who's the grittiest SEC player in 2019 so far? The grittiest. <laughs> grittiest. <laughs> if, I, if I got my, my, my thesaurus out here, gritty in terms of football means, uh, you know, a white wide receiver, right? So I'm looking at <laughs> white wide receiver. Your words. Say what it is, CD. Yeah, I, uh, I don't even know, man. Who is the grittiest white wide receiver out there in the SEC this year? I'm trying to go through my head, and, uh, you know, I'll tell you. Uh, Eli uh, Wolf? Uh, yeah, he's not even a wide receiver, though. I mean, he is a valuable yeah, uh, cross catcher for. Will for, Hastings? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm a fan. Of, yeah, I'm gonna go with him. I actually think that's a big deal in terms of that offense clicking the way that it did two years ago. Was having Will Hastings in the lineup. He runs a lot of those choice routes from the slot. He obviously can take the top off the defense. So, yeah, Will Hastings is a is a, a a fan favorite. I'll tell you, a guy to keep your eye on in Florida. At Florida is uh, is Trent Whittemore. Um, his dad grew up here in Gainesville. Played at UCF. He's the coach at Blue Holes High School. His son's a freshman. Freshman white wide receiver for the Gators, and um, you know, anytime there's a white wide receiver, they get compared to me and Riley Cooper because I guess that's the only thing that people can, can uh, imagine them being. So uh, keep your eye on Trent down the road. Trent so Whittemore, that sounds like the grittiest name oh, too. Yeah. That that's just spot on. Trent Whittemore the <laughs> third. Um, Zidi, give me this is my last question. Give me what team have you changed your mind on? The most. I know we were joking around about Bama's defense and the 500 yards because it was damn near near 500 yards. But what team have you changed your mind on the most from the start of the season to now, good and bad? 
you know, I think the team I've changed my mind on multiple times has been Missouri. I was high on them in the offseason, yeah. as I know a lot of us were. And then to go out there and see them lay an egg against Wyoming, I was completely out on them, particularly because they gave up 300 yards rushing and they weren't able to run the football at all. And I thought that's the reason why Missouri was going to be competitive this year. You remember last last year in that first half of the Georgia game, they completely stymied that uh, Georgia run game against a very good offensive line. So I thought they'd be much better um, in terms of their physicality on both sides of the ball. Um, and, and then, you know, I watched what they've done defensively, a couple touchdowns in each of the last uh, games against West Virginia and last week against SEMO. Um, they're, they're running the ball earlier in the game with Larry Roundtree, which I think is important because he brings that physical dynamic in the run game. Um, so Missouri is the team that I think I've kind of flip-flopped the most on to this point in time. But, um, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of teams. I think that's why this week is so important. Even for Georgia, you know, we're three games in the season. I, I still don't think we know everything we need to know about Georgia. Uh, we look at that Texas A&M and, and Auburn game. It's it, That's the game that I think is really going to help us figure out who those teams are. The one thing that I do know is that Auburn's defense is damn good. That's the only thing I think I yeah. know heading into that game. I don't trust Auburn's offense. I don't trust the uh, improvement in the secondary from Texas A&M's defense that we talked about so much. Um, who, who's going to run the football for Texas A&M going forward? Because they only – Average two yards a carry against Clemson's defense, and I think this Auburn defense is built fairly similarly to what Clemson has. So I think this is a week where we figure out even more who these teams are going forward. Last question for you, and probably the most important question. Um, I, I feel like we should ask this pretty much every time you come on based on who Florida is playing in that given week. Do you have a good spur, uh, Spurrier story from uh, Tennessee week? Oh, man, from Tennessee week. Tennessee was always a very important game for Coach. Obviously, being from, from Tennessee, growing up in that area, uh, it was one that, that uh, he kind of had circled. But I, I just you know, I think back to, to some of those games. I'll tell you my favorite story. It's not, the, it's not, the, it's not a, a great story. It's a good story, but not a happy tale if you're a Gator. Because we went up to Knoxville in uh, 1992. I was the uh, – that I, I was my, my first year. I was a retro freshman. I was traveling. You know, I got into that game, and, and they were blowing us out. He's sure was all over the field. They're throwing it. He's running it. Uh, all of a sudden, a downpour takes place, and that was back when they had the turf. And so the rain is up to our, our, our knees on the sideline. It's flooding down the, the steps of Neyland Stadium. It's a miserable day. They beat us by about 40. I catch my first uh, collegiate pass from a guy named Antoine Childs, who was our third-string quarterback. The ball, he throws it about 100 miles an hour. It's wet. It goes through my hands. Hits my shoulder pads, bounces up about 10, 10 feet in the air, air, and I end up catching it. Wasn't my most clean catch by any means. But we come back and, and we get on the plane. Yeah, it was a gritty catch. It was a lot of very soft catch. But we, uh, <laughs> we get on the airplane and, and uh, come home, and they're serving, they're serving you know the food on the plane. I'm sitting next to Danny Warfel. All of a sudden, man, smoke starts coming out of the vents, and we start nosediving down, and the mask come down i've never been on a plane where the masks actually come down but they came down that day so we're freaking out we're throwing the masks on and i look over at danny and he's pulling his mask off taking bites of the steak while everybody else is freaking out i figured he before <laughs> that guy was tight with god i figured we were in good shape if he wasn't out, you know we knew we were in good shape so we had to make an emergency landing in uh, atlanta and uh, a bunch of the guys on the team chose to drove home uh, for a drive home from there and in fact, uh, Ellis Johnson, the great defensive lineman for us, never flew again during his career at Florida. He always chose to leave on Thursdays with the equipment truck because he was terrified after that experience <laughs> on the plane ride home. 
goodness. That was... Oh, my gosh. So that's not actually... really a murder story, but it was a great Tennessee memory, or at least an interesting Tennessee, Tennessee memory for me. It was probably Spurrier actually like conduct like telling the pilot like, "Hey, let's. I, I want to send mean, my team a message after this loss. We're going to scare the crap probably, out of them. Show them what happens." I can actually see him coaching up the the uh, the pilot. All right, my man, come on, hold the uh, hold the hold the. That's that's your fault. My fault for putting you in there. That's fantastic. So good, CD. <laughs> I love that. We'll let you go, uh, CD. We're gonna see you in Charlotte in two in like a week and a half. Here, we're gonna watch some games with uh, with you and Dari and Gene. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hang out. So I guess we'll we'll see you real soon. Over right, on Connor, deck, I'm, bro. I want to talk to you guys because I I can't wait to have you in the studio. It's a long day. I mean, we get in there at noon and we're not out until about twelve thirty or one in the morning. But the best part about it, and I told uh, Chris about this. The post-day decompression session that we have at Blackfin, it's, uh, you know, we, we trade notes on the day, we have a few beers, it's, uh, it's a good time. So hopefully you guys can make it through the entire day and night at the uh, SEC Network schedule. Nice, nice. We're, we're fired up. That'll, that'll be awesome. CD, we'll see you real soon, and uh, be well. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah, thank you, guys. Always fun to be on with you, man. All right, see you, brother. Awesome. So I realized as we were talking to Doring, I don't think we've made that announcement yet that we're going to Charlotte in yeah. a couple weeks. Charlotte, uh, we finally said it right too. Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah. We took Dari up on his offer. We are uh, going to be hanging out with uh, Gene Chizik and, and Dari and Chris Doring. They do all of their stuff. Obviously, if you flip on SEC Network during a non-game time, you are very likely to see one of them. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna hang out with those guys. We're gonna watch. Don't wear a with suit. Them. I'm not wearing a no, suit. No, 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 no. Goodness, no. Right. Not at that point Just in my life. Sure. No. Um, no, I'm excited too. This should be a lot of fun. We, I, I haven't been behind the scenes. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out a way that they're going to keep me off TV, whether they like oh. it or not. It'll be interesting. There's It'll no security. Cube's not there. Now, Chizik, I know, works out. But I feel like, yeah, I feel Chis- like I'm just going to pop up there in the back. Yeah, that, there, there could be a scenario in which that plays out. So maybe we leave the Bama cutoff at home. Maybe. I mean, I haven't, I haven't worn that thing in years, brother. Um, I've no. seen you wear it on this podcast <laughs> several times. That's also fair. No, I'm excited, man. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I love it. Like I talked to CD about this, and he was like, like he's like, oh, you guys are coming up. This is like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, pretty sure we're coming up there. And and both times he said it. Now also the podcast, his first response was like, all right, man, post post game beers is the best part of the day. And I was like, I, yeah, we're gonna, I got it, man. Belvedere soda on me. Let's do this. Let's do fourth and wrong. All right. So each and every week we reach out to you guys. Uh, in between all the nonsense and greatness that happens on our Facebook page. If you haven't joined the Facebook page, uh, make sure you do. I, I I can't believe I have to say this because, because I, I thought it was just all of our listeners. We, we got a couple people that just are now new to the podcast because of the group. Love it. Which is the opposite of how I thought that would go. Backwards, but, yeah, but I lo- but that's fine. Great. So thanks. If you, if, you're, if you recently joined the pod, thank you so much. I know we had a couple people that reached out. Um, and, and so, yeah, you guys are great. But make sure you're in the Facebook group. Uh, you know, it's it's STS podcast on Facebook. Anyway, so the fourth and wrong questions for this week. Each and every week, we ask you guys to submit your best non football related questions or advice. Here we go. We have Robert E. Lee the third, who's become a staple on this uh, on the fourth and wrong questions. What's your go to pizza, Connor? Lately, it's been Anthony's Coal Fired Pizza. What the hell is that? It's a, it's a, f- a Florida chain. Uh, there's every there, there's like six. Places called Anthony's Pizza within a five mile radius. I think of he us. means. I think he means like what kind of 
pizza? Like, are you a pepperoni guy? That, that can go a lot of different ways. See, it depends It depends on where you're going. A place like that, they have good specialty pizzas where they have, like, a meatballs and green peppers pizza. Ooh, yeah. Love that. Money in the bank. I I tend to, to favor Supreme. Yeah. Um, I like sausage. I like mushrooms. I like peppers. That's, that's usually my go-to. Pepperoni... I, I like it. I'll eat it it's, if it's yeah. there. It's it's usually not my first choice. I re- usually like cheese is fine. I, I it's pizza. Cheese is bold. You can't no. really go wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in trouble. I'm gonna get fined for cussing if we're gonna have a cheese pizza thing. If you have a cheese, I mean, cheese pizza is for people that still drink milk for dinner. Like that is just. I mean, there's no there's no place for it unless you're six years old. Like trying no, new things. No, because sometimes you get into situations where if. Like and I do this too, where if you're at a place where like six pizzas are ordered, yeah, and you look at what's out, and I know that the majority of people aren't going to touch the cheese pizzas, I'll go have the cheese pizza like sometimes instead because I know that other people aren't necessarily like I, I'm trying to, to help out everybody. Oh, I don't want to rush, yeah, just run out of the supreme right away. Yeah, so I'm I, trying to be unselfish. I will. That's not when there's food involved. That is the opposite for me. But I, I will say it's like pepperonis. But like if you're if you're ordering in bulk. If you if if you're having a McAllister family Christmas before you go to Paris the next day and home alone, like yeah, you're getting a pepperoni pizza. But for me, it's Supreme or like the Works or whatever. Like we throw as much stuff on there as possible. I tell you what, I like to do. I started doing this recently. We've been ordering um like real Italian place pizzas, which like my least favorite thing about pizza places. And Allie does this to me all the time, and it it's like it's caused like legitimate arguments where she's like, "What do you want?" And I'm like. It's it, with pizza. I'll eat anything. Just you know what? Just throw whatever on there. You tell me. And she's like, "Well, we can get this one." And it's like some name in Italian. And it's like this one's the Maserati. And I'm like, "What's that?" And she's like, "It has prosciutto." And, and starts to like listing off all mm. these ingredients that I have no clue what she's saying. That's what I'm talking. And I'm about. like, I don't care. Just make sure there's peppers, sausage, un- like pepperoni, onions, whatever. Like you're not saying a single thing to me in English right now. I have no concept of what I'm eating, but I, I know I'm gonna eat it. So just order it. Pizza that we had at your place a couple weeks ago was phenomenal. Yeah, that was legit. I had that for like the next day too for breakfast and lunch. So that was cool. Really good. Yeah. Um, big, big cold pizza guy for me. Oh, I can yeah. go cold pizza too. Um, all right, second question. I'm bringing my girlfriend to her first ever SC game this weekend in the swamp. What advice would you give me to make sure it's not her last game? That's from Joe Morrison. Joe Morrison, long time, long time listener. I think that's probably his mm-hmm. first post. I think so. It interacts with us a lot on yeah, social media. Um, really good at asking good, interesting questions. Here's the good news about going to a game in the swamp. They got Wi-Fi in there. The Wi-Fi is really good, apparently, at the swamp. That's that's what I've heard. Yeah. And based on the, the fact that they have, like, routers every two rows or whatever it is, you can get make sure that you get the Wi-Fi password. Everybody gets on the Wi-Fi. You can do your social media posts and all that stuff because that's something that tends to make people happy, whatever you do, all that. Just don't be the worst person in your area. Yeah. That's that's the key. Don't be the person that she is embarrassed to be with. If you are just, you know, you 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 are your normal your normal self. You're not pulling out this like extreme version of yourself that might be really difficult and it might be tough not to go into crazy fanatic mode yeah. in those moments. But I'd say if you can hold back on that as much as possible and just be relatively normal and engaging and you're kind of you know willing to explain if you have to do anything like that, if it is her first experience in the swamp, just kind of how things work. And I, I don't know. Like I would say just be yourself and you're probably fine, right? Yeah. I mean – I mean, being myself, is in, especially when football is involved, is usually not the go-to for me. Um, I, I will say, so I, I did an article about this a long time ago. It was like how to not lose a girl in 10 games. 
and oh, that's and, good. And it's it was it was pretty good stuff. And it was like and it's like from 2015. So at the time, it was like, I mean, I remember like we put it up on SDS, and ever like the the backlash it got was like. Just, just go ahead and not date her if she doesn't like football. And I was like, all right, you're missing the whole point. That's it's a play on words about a stupid movie. I should have known. But it's a great movie. What I would say is, so one of the things I said in that is like, you want to find a game to, like to pique their interest in this is is find find puppies always works. I tell you what, if you if there was a team in college football that whose whose mascot was a koala. That would be every single girl's favorite team, hands down. Probably my favorite team too, because koalas are adorable as can be. But Make sure you take it by Smokey. It's a cute dog. All that good stuff. Um, like, like give give them like something like fun to dress up in. And I don't, that sounds like condescending, but like, like, like let them be a part of it. Like that's like one of Allie's favorite thing is like going to get different Bama stuff. Well, not one of her favorite things overall, but like trying to find like cool Bama stuff to wear into the game. And like the first game we ever went to was the national championship against Georgia. And I'm not I'm not just saying this. There is something she said that I cannot repeat on this podcast. But there was something she said during that game, or specifically in pregame. I knew right then and there I was going to marry her because I was like, "This is what I'm Dang. talking about. She's the best." Um, so yeah, I mean, like, just just don't be the worst guy. Fight, you, like, do your best to find some place to cool off because it's unbearably hot. I have to over there. Unbearably hot. And, and and then it's like the other stuff is keep in mind that like this is your favorite thing. It's not her favorite thing, and it's great if, exactly. they, if they would be. But like, to be honest, like I think what where like guys go wrong sometimes with this is like. It is our thing sometimes with football. It's not always their thing, and we want them to like it. But then we also want them to like cater to. It's like this is my favorite thing, so like, make sure that you're like it. You know, cater to her and make make it her like her favorite thing. Like go go spring go get the drinks. Like go do whatever you can to make sure she's like having fun and involved. There you go. And tailgate definitely. And tailgate. definitely tailgate. Uh, man, the last time I was down there in Gainesville was for the Tennessee game. The tailgates were. It was awesome. Um, okay. This is from Lisa Ledette. Great name. White after Labor Day. Yes or no? Going to be crazy hot in Nashville for LSU Vandy, and I really want to pack the white shorts. I'm going to say that's not the best move to pack the white shorts. What? I think that there are other ways to stay cool. I think that there are so with all the dry fit stuff that's available, the team gear that's in dry fit stuff, I whatever what after labor day it is what it is it's not really my thing i don't have the complexion to be able to pull it off oh yeah very very pasty that's part of it but i think that there are other options and if you sweat in white shorts and i can't speak from experience even though i'm wearing a pair of white athletic shorts as we speak if you sweat in white shorts doesn't it show a whole lot more because i would sweat in those lisa i'm gonna tell you this right now first off i'm not gonna get on a global warming here rant but like with, with the way the climate is right now and the way how hot it is outside, there are no rules. There are absolutely zero rules about white after Labor Day when it's 98 degrees currently outside. It was like 106, I feel like, on the field last week at South Carolina, I think I saw. So do you, boo. I mean, like, go go ahead and wear white shorts, whatever you want to wear, because if you're going to have to be out there for a minimum three hours in that game, in that heat, and that's a noon kick or 11 a.m. kick, yeah, wear whatever makes you comfortable. I, I I don't think the white after Labor Day. White after Labor Day is for like old Southern bells and then and then people that like go to Nantucket, which is apparently a real place, like in the in the summer. That's not a real thing. That's just, that's for like rich white people. All right, I take back what I said. You talked me into it. Yeah. Lisa, wear, wear white. You're I mean, fine. just just like it, honestly, just survive. That's I don't care how that yeah. sounds. Like just survive in just advance. survive. Yeah, survive in advance is the best way to put it. Survive in pants. There you go. 
Um, what what's better game day garb? A jersey, a team polo, or a t-shirt? That's from Nick Hallaby. I'm a big t-shirt guy. Um, bro tank can't go wrong with the bro tank. <laughs> can't go wrong with the bro tank. Bro you tank and shorts. Can't go wrong with the bro tank. No, well, yeah, you, you definitely can. But I usually don't go wrong with the bro tank. I think that if you got a throwback jersey, big fan of that. We've talked a lot about throwback here, but. T-shirt, you can't go wrong. I, the team polo is big. We saw so many of those oh, at the nice. Grove. That that was that's the look. My goodness, if we had a nickel for every baby blue Ole Miss polo that we saw, starting to make them for Bama now too, which makes no sense to me. I, like I, I, I'm the same thing I just said to Lisa. So I, I'm a big, I'm like I, I sweat profusely. So like, no, if I, you. So usually if you see me out. Especially if it's some SDS related, I've got that same black yep. <laughs> dry fit SDS polo because, because that again, that's just like a matter of survival because I, I I sweat constantly and so t-shirts, like I, I'm a big, like when the fall I would I love jeans and t-shirt weather I love jeans and t-shirt weather mm-hmm. but unless it's gonna be like 60 65 degrees my body can't physically get to there yet so I I would say. I, I can't wear a t-shirt, a plain t-shirt to a game because I will sweat through it immediately. Um, I'm not a I'm not a jersey guy. I, I, lo- I love the throwback jersey, but I'm a I'm a polo, but only because it's dry fit. Only because it's dry fit. Is it okay if I wear a long sleeve tee? That is so stupid. You'll be comfortable <laughs> in whatever you're wearing right now. <laughs> that was a Ryan Howard reference. How did you not pick up on I, that? That was a that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut. That's a deep Gosh, cut. Mike I hope some people weird. got that reference. <laughs> um, no, no, but like I, I I'm not. <sighs> I'm not for like what you were saying about like the old Miss thing. Like look, like I, I don't think showing up looking like you were born inside of a Vineyard Vines is okay at all. But I, I do think that for me, I had to wear the, the the polos just because it's like otherwise I'll sweat through everything. I, I'd say just do you. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. My my what what I what I would look on it is different than the average person maybe who yeah. who tailgates at, at Ole Miss. He eats I, I'm okay with that. Hey. Don't hate on potatoes. There's been way too much potato hate this podcast. Let's end All right, it right now. Last last question, and this is uh, speaking of food. Yeah, Chris Gordy, our man from uh, from Louisiana. Actually, I guess he lives in Houston, but regardless, big LSU guy. He's he's one of my favorite people um, in all. Of he the- does the best shaggy uh, oh, karaoke that you've ever yeah. heard. And, ever. and he's just he's just such a fun dude. I love I love Chris Gordy. We I on his radio show every Friday morning, but he's um. He like he's like the one person that like I I, I considered not canceling the radio show with him because I enjoyed talking to him so much when I was in the hospital. And he's like, dude, just yeah, like let me know when you're good, <laughs> like you're fine. <laughs> so he says, have you ever eaten at a Subway sandwich shop? It seems like only a savage would would do something. Ninety nine percent of the time, I take Subway to go. Who actually sits in there and eats? And now, ladies and gentlemen, Connor O'Gara. So. Fun little fact about the state of Nebraska. There is a Subway in every single town. They don't have McDonald's in every town. They have Subways in every town. And when you are a reporter who has to go and maybe you're covering a game that's an hour and a half away, you need a bite to eat, you don't want to drive an hour and a half back to get Wi-Fi, you've got to stop, find just some place that has Wi-Fi, file a game story, Friday Night Football, whatever it is, you hunker down at a Subway, you get yourself a sandwich, and you do a ton of writing. If I had a nickel for every Subway restaurant that I had to go to Gross. in the state of Nebraska, I'd be so, so rich. I would walk out every single time I would, because I would be in there for like an hour and a half or so, you know, like writing a story or two hours, depending on how long it would take. And when I would walk out, 
my clothes just reeked of Subway bread every single time. And I'd come home and my wife, my, my then, you know, fiance would be like, oh, you were at Subway, I can tell. <laughs> that is being at Subway and actually eating inside. That's what it consists of. Connor, I don't say this to be mean. I, I say this because of the, the structure and, and the actual words that were in that sentence is that is one of the saddest things. I, when you, you say, if do, I had man, a I had to hustle. for every Subway I ate at in, in Nebraska, I mean, yeah, but like also kudos to you for like being healthy and, and not going to like, you know, crappy fast food. I, I haven't eaten Subway, eating in a Subway, because I feel like so, so many of them now are just attached to like a gas station for whatever reason. I, yeah. I don't eat inside of a Subway. They always have that weird, cold, fake brown curved uh, booth or whatever. And like the weird, uh, like yellowish brown beige almost tile floor it just grosses me out the whole thing is just i don't like the color scheme in there it's not as depressing at a blimpy if you're eating at a blimpy it's time to reevaluate your life that's sad yeah that is i haven't eaten at a subway in over four years right, though, since i moved to that. florida so yeah. there we go um but yeah so i I, I haven't eaten at a subway since i was in high school so also four years but uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah let's move on to it might mean too much Yes, let's close things out. This is a final note of the Notre Dame-Georgia game this weekend that we have. This made the rounds on, on social media. Dill's Food City in Georgia stopped selling Irish Spring Body Wash. That's awesome. They held up. They put a sign up there and said, temporarily out of stock, go dogs." That was via West Blankenship on Twitter. Really petty sort of thing but like kind of a funny hey Notre Dame's coming to town um uh, Ashley uh Epsi I think that's her that's her last name sorry if I'm mispronouncing that she tweeted at me I'm surprised they didn't get rid of Lucky Charms as well yeah definitely should have that'd be really good um what's the most petty thing that you've done in a big game to sort of you don't uh, avoid that, that? I so my dad my dad used to flat out do this we go to a store that wasn't like a Bama store he would go up and say there's like like we're at like a champ sporting good or something like that he would take the Bama jerseys and not always put them in front, but if you saw an Auburn one, he would take it off the rack and put it in the very back. Yep. Every single time. Okay, that's Every single time. That's not surprising. I, and I did one time tell a, a young child when I was 21 and I was drunk, I did tell him to have fun being average for the rest of his life because um, wow. he was wearing a rival fan base uh, shirt. That was, that was, a t- that was, a, that was and it might mean too much. That was old Chris. I wouldn't do that now. On that note, let's <laughs> Sorry, wrap guys. things up. <laughs> Sorry for old Chris. Apologies yeah. for the past. Make sure that you are following along with all of our content on social media. Big, big weekend in the SEC yeah, and is. in college football. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have all of that coverage. Our news team is going to crush it. Marler's going to have great stuff on Twitter, Instagram. We're going to crank out columns. We're going to have great stuff for all of you. Marler, Facebook, Monday night. Yeah, we did it. We finally did it this past week. I'm, I'm off the schneid. Boom. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. We did, we'll do it again next Monday night. Uh, and, you know, we've been doing We might do it again just depending on how the day goes and how tired I am. Saturday night, midnight, Facebook Live in the, in the SCS uh, podcast group. That's been a lot of fun. We did it week zero and week three. So we, we're usually still a up. therapy. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Okay. We're going to do, uh, do five-star reviews next week. We've got a lot of those. Uh, continue, please. If you've not given us a yeah. five-star review, please do rate, subscribe, all those fun oh. things. Real quick, your stickers are being worked on. We, we've got, yes. we, I, I got word today, if you're a Georgia fan, my man, our, our boss, Kevin Duffy, he sent out over 400 of them today, or maybe it was Bama, I don't, either way, but he's, he's been sending out several hundred per day. So yes. they are on the way, no need to freak out. Uh, in the meantime, just, you know, sit back and enjoy college football. Your sticker 
will be on its way. I promise. It's everything's gonna be okay. Perfect. Yeah. Cocho, you're preparing for Nashville. We didn't get to hear from you today. We know that you're just trying to take it easy before your big weekend. Ah! I'll be down here uh Nashville we're gonna Commonwealth Stadium eleven AM. But if you in town, Nashville, Friday night, going down to Tussie, I'll be singing a little big and rich, little trace okay. honky tonk for donk donk. Talk to you next Sunday. That's right. You might be too much.